Hey, welcome to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, coming from inside the Forge Radio Studios. Great to have you join us today. If you're just catching our sports medicine radio show for the very first time, I'm a, I am a sports medicine physician with Texas Sport and Spine, where I basically do on air what I do at my day job, take care and talk about athletes with uh, knee, hip, back, shoulder problems. Man, it's great to have you joining us. Remember, you can always listen to our show not only on one of our radio stations that carries us, but also on our iTunes podcast at Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Subscribe to us, listen to us anytime, anywhere. I'm joined every week by my co-host, the sports broadcaster for Grand Canyon University, Ferris Potter. Ferris, great show today, man. Thanks for being on. Yeah, ready for it, man. Yeah, we've got some uh, great interviews coming up. Our first one's going to be with a uh, 13-year, yeah, I said 13-year Major League Baseball uh, veteran, former utility infielder, Tom Foley, who played with the likes of Johnny Bench, Mike Schmidt, uh, Barry Bonds. I mean, the list goes on and on over a 13-year career. He's also the longest-tenured coach with the Tampa Bay Rays, where he coached alongside uh, Lou Pinella and uh, Joe Madden. And then we're going to have on uh, soccer coach Sergio Chacon. He played uh, professional soccer as well as the – he runs the current soccer camp that runs out of the Forge Abilene, where our radio show comes from. Sergio's going to be talking about everything World Cup. So uh, basically, Ferris, he's talking about everything in soccer that we don't know. So uh, Ferris and I, uh, we, lo- we like love sports. Uh, we like soccer, but we uh, this is the time of the year, once every few years, that I really, really get excited about soccer, and it's when the right. World Cup happens. And Sergio's going to be talking about that and some of the big injuries in the news with regards to uh the World Cup. And then we're going to have on, you won't want to miss this interview with St. Louis Cardinals head scout and uh, cross-checker Mike Roberts, who's been a scout and been doing professional baseball his entire life. He started off as a minor league baseball player in the St. Louis Cardinals organization, and then he became a a head scout, and now he is the head scout for the St. Louis Cardinals, Mike Roberts. He he signed guys you might have heard of, Ferris, like uh, Albert Pujols. He's the reason the St. Louis Cardinals had Albert Pujols for 10 years and is uh, going to be a Hall of Famer, but that's due to Mike Roberts. So won't want to miss that interview and more coming up here on Docs and Jocks. Hey, remember, uh, you can go to uh, docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com, and you can find out all about our show there. And you can also uh, email us and contact us there. If you send us your question, man, we would love to have you be part of the show. And we'll try and get that question on the air and answered. Maybe it's a uh, question about a weekend warrior injury you've sustained with a, a knee, a back, a hip, a shoulder problem. And how do you get back on the field and those types of things. We talk everything sports medicine here from nutrition, sleep, mental strength coaching, as well as uh, injuries and physical uh, strength conditioning. All those things here on Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Hey, stay tuned with us. We'll be right back after this short break. Caller, you're on the air. My girlfriend beat me playing one-on-one. Ooh, sounds like you need to hit up a sport clip for an awesome haircut experience and some quality man time. I don't know. My girlfriend always takes me to her salon. Nonsense. Be your own man and get a great haircut in a guy-friendly place from stylists who know what guys need. You may be right. Sure I'm right. Now grab your Y chromosome, get down to sport clips, and ask for the MVP. Sport clips. It's good to be a guy. No one burns calories like Firehouse Subs. Introducing our hearty and flavorful under 500 calorie menu. Steaming hot sriracha beef, hook and ladder light, turkey cranberry, and more. Six new subs, four new salads, overflowing with flavor under 500 calories. And starting at only $5.49. Under 500 calories never tasted so hearty and flavorful. Firehouse Subs. One bite, one taste, you're hooked. 
Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, Sports Medicine Radio Show. Great to have you joining us today. My name is Dr. Dan. Join with my co-host, Ferris Potter, every week talking about what's going on in the sports medicine world. Hey, Ferris, I thought we could just jump right into what's going on in the sports uh, medicine world. Hey, the big uh, rehab story going on right now with an injured player is Clayton Kershaw, uh, the Cy Young pitcher for the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Kershaw, remember, Ferris, has had a couple different stints on the DL due to a back injury. And uh, most recently, uh, he's had he had a resustained injury to his uh, disc in his back, and he is now going to try and do a rehab uh, stint starting this weekend. You know, a lot of people have kind of written off the Dodgers early after the great season they had last year. You know, took them all the way to the World Series against the uh, Houston Astros, but they got off to a terrible, terrible start. And partly, uh, I mean, we we documented that here on Docs and Jocks. Talk about extensively to some of their star players. They lose Corey Seager. He's now going to have Tommy John surgery. You got uh, They lost Justin Turner, their star third baseman, who was out after he broke his wrist, had a non-displaced fracture of his wrist after getting struck on the wrist. And now, then they lost their star pitcher, Clayton Kershaw. Uh, Rich Hill, you never know, outing to outing, which blister's going to pop up on his hand. You're going to have to set him out for a while. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so you got Clayton Kershaw now looking like he's going to come back. This seems like it's perfect timing for the Los Angeles Dodgers, given they are now sitting 38 and 35, only two and a half games back behind your beloved uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. So first question for you is, uh, do you think uh, the National League West missed their opportunity to kind of bury the Dodgers early? Uh, the uh, Diamondbacks, who started off really hot, have kind of uh, been been okay, but they're two and a half up on the Dodgers right now, getting Clayton Kershaw back. Where do you think that NL West sits? Well, I, you know, I didn't think the Dodgers would win the division just because I didn't, I didn't think, uh, some of their young guys would play as well. All their young guys played great last year. All their pitchers pitched well, you know. Um, I thought the Dimex were going to be a lot better. I didn't, you know, they've got some significant injuries with Tywan Walker, Robbie Ray, uh, AJ Pollock. So, no, nah, I mean, yeah, maybe they missed their chance, but you know, it's baseball. It's a long yeah. season. I, I'm not surprised that the Diamondbacks started off strong. The Rockies started off strong. They're kind of coming back to the pack. I thought it was going to be a dogfight all the way. Um, I'm a little surprised with maybe the, the the central division. I thought that the wild cards would come out of there, but I had the Dodgers making it as a wild card. The Diamondbacks winning the division. Um, that's kind of how I looked at it from the from the get go. So I'm not not totally surprised. And one of the things about a back injury with Clayton Kershaw, by the way, is once you have had a back injury like a disc herniation with Clayton Kershaw, just like we saw this reoccurrence, it tends to be an injury that can cre- reoccur pretty often. Once you've had a disc herniation in your back, remember what your discs are. They are jelly donuts, gooey center, tough outer rings. When you tear across those outer rings, basically think of it like a tear across a radial tire, the outer ring of a radial tire. You now heal that injury, you heal that tear like a bad scar, but the next time you bend over, where's that tear going to occur at? Right where that old injury was. So you're about five times more likely for a herniated disc to reoccur, even if you get better, whether it's with what we call conservative treatment or non-surgical treatment with maybe an epidural steroid injection. We put some medicine on the nerve that that disc is, is uh, irritating or with some really good core stability and strengthening exercises with physical therapy. Occasionally people use chiropractic treatments to try and ease some of their acute pain after an acute back injury. Uh, massage therapy, the list goes on and on. If you've ever been in the back world, there's lots of things we do to try and help people with back injuries. But the problem with the Los Angeles Dodgers, you, it's very hard to predict what the likelihood of his recurring injury is going to be. Whereas the difference is, take like uh, Ferris, if you break your uh, arm, I put you in a cast. I pretty much know six weeks after you've been in a cast, I'm going to take that cast off and it's going to be healed. And I know that the recurrence rate of a fracture is no higher than it was if you not broke it. So the difference with a back injury is it's very difficult to predict the prevalence of that reoccurring injury 
just like we see Clayton Kershaw now having another injury after his first one. Probably the most notable athlete we've talked about here on Docs and Jocks with recurrent back injuries over and over again was Tiger Woods. I mean, you you know, when we recently <laughs> talked yeah. about his very first back injuries, I had the same conversation you and I did with what we're talking about, Clayton Kershaw. Once you've had an injury and you play a sport that makes you do repetitive rotation and bending, it is a very difficult injury to get over. And, and think about Clayton Kershaw. He basically bends over at his waist, what, 110, 150 times a game by the time you count up his warm-up pitches yep. and his uh, bullpen time. So he's doing a repetitive bending. He has a very strong core, but that doesn't necessarily decrease your injury risk to zero if you can p- continue to bend. Think of it like this, Ferris. If you had a flagpole out at your ranch and it had a weak spot at the base of the flagpole, you could really build up that flagpole at the base by putting two-by-fours around it, guy wires, making it really, really stable. But the wind could still blow hard enough that it puts enough stress on that area that it gives way. So you really want to, if Clayton Kershaw wants his best chance of not having that injury reoccur, he wants to really build up the muscles around his back, his core muscles, but it doesn't make the risk go to zero. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, and he's got that, I mean, that guy's just been dealing with injuries, and especially that back, I mean, for the last latter half of his career, really. Yeah. So it's not shocking that he had that injury again. That was coming off of another injury, and you talked about all about the kinetic chain and how yeah, everything right. works together. and. You know, when you have an injury on one thing and you're rehabbing that, you got to make sure it doesn't mess see up it all the time. And, yeah. You know, that, you know, your body tends to compensate and try to bring you back to, to normal, and, but it, it, it uses different things. So yeah. um, it's not surprising he's hurt. I hope he gets back. He's great to watch, and the Dodgers definitely need him. But, man, this thing, seems, this thing it, it worries me. Yeah. It worries me for this year and his future. Yeah. You know, a perfect example you're talking about the kinetic chain is when an athlete has a knee injury it increases your risk for a back injury. And you don't necessarily jump to the conclusion of how that occurs, but if your knee's hurting, Ferris, if, you're, if, you, if you sprained your knee playing soccer with your son, when you drop a piece of paper, how are you going to pick that piece of paper up if you have an injured knee and you can't bend at the knee? You hinge at your waist, right? So when you yeah. hinge at your waist, what do you do? You put all the pressure on the disc, which makes it more likely to have that disc herniation or re-aggravate an annular tear or re-aggravate your back pain. So, yeah, that kinetic chain all has to work together. That's just one example of many. We see people oftentimes with hamstring injuries on one side. Nelly Cruz, I think, one year had six or eight hamstring injuries, and they were on opposite sides. And people were like, why does he keep tearing his hamstring? Well, if you injure it on one side, it changes the way you run. Your kinetic chain then changes. So now you put more stress on the other side, which makes it a little bit more likely that you have a hamstring injury on the other side. If you're if you're already predisposed to hamstring injuries – and now you're limping and running and trying to come back early because Major League Baseball players are getting paid millions of dollars to play baseball and fans want them playing for their team who's uh, in second place and they want to be in first place if you go back to it too yeah. soon. So we see it all the time with that kinetic chain like you're talking about where you end up having one injury that leads to another. But, yeah, back injuries are ones that's very, very difficult to, predis- to try and figure out. Hey, if you had to, pre- if you had to list which injuries – the Los Angeles Dodgers have sustained that have cost them are going to be the most costly. Would you put the Clayton Kershaw back injuries, recurrent back injuries, the uh, losing uh, their star third baseman, uh, Justin Turner, or losing Corey Seager, who's going to be out for a year at least with a Tommy John surgery? How do you rank those injuries as far as how what it means to the team? You know, what's weird about that, I, I think Justin Turner, uh, that loss was huge for them. I mean, I, I think I think he is such – He's like the Yadier Molina to me of that team. Like, yeah. like his numbers may not be the best. His are really good though. He played so well in the playoffs. He's kind of just that 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 spiritual leader of the team. 
in the sense of just a ball player that everybody else kind of feeds off of. And you notice the Cardinals are just not quite as good when Yachty's gone, even though he might not be the best player on the team anymore due to his age. You know, he's the most important player on the team. And I think Turner is. I mean, Kershaw's huge, obviously, for one game, but he doesn't play for another five days. Right, you know? right. So, um, I, I do think it's Justin Turner. I think Turner. I, Seager's great, but he's young, and I think it's Turner. Yeah, I think so, too. I think you're totally right. I think he is the heart of that, heart and soul of that team, and that's just the way it seems. And I always say, if you're going to be a great team, this is just my uh, perspective of watching baseball over the years, you need somebody in the lineup that makes you a little nervous to pitch to. And without without Turner in that lineup, Yasiel Puig has a little bit of that in him. Uh, you've got, uh, well, you know, Peterson now is doing pretty well, too. He's Jock Peterson, but you never know with him. He might have yeah. three weeks where he carries the entire team, and then you uh, he strikes out 21 times the next three weeks. It's hard to tell with uh, – uh, turn up with uh, Peterson, but yeah, I think Justin Turner is the most consistent big guy in that lineup. You have to have that big stick, and he seems like the guy that guy that does it for sure for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably rank him the same. Hey, let's talk a little. Uh, we're going to be having on later in the show Sergio Chacon. He's going to be our talking everything soccer. But I thought we could drop in a couple of uh, soccer injury here, fair since you and I are soccer experts. But Neymar, Brazil's uh, superstar. He is now, uh, he's had an uh, injury to his ankle, and everybody's a little bit worried about him. He got off to a little slow start with the World Cup. But if you had a, uh, he, he's been dealing with a fractured metatarsal. That's a bone in your foot. And it started with, along with an ankle sprain. Remember, Neymar had a severe injury to his back where he actually had a non-displaced uh, fracture of his transverse process in his back. And we can talk about that later. That was back in 2014 where he missed the rest of the World Cup. But he fractured a bone in his foot. And you might say, well, if you, if you sprain your ankle, how do you break a bone in your foot? The, mm. When you roll your ankle in, sometimes the force of where the ligaments or where the pressure goes through your foot and ankle, it comes out different places. Most of the time it comes out in the ligaments in your foot, but other times it can come out in the bone in your outside of your foot called your fifth metatarsal. And we see that that injury isn't all that uncommon. In fact, when I uh, examine a young athlete who's had an ankle sprain, I will always push on their fifth metatarsal and see if they're tender there. But you, the areas where you can have problems that you can sometimes miss in an ankle sprain, it's not just the ligaments on the outside of your ankle. It can be the bone on the outside of your foot. It can be the ligament in between the two bones in your lower leg. That's between your tibia and your fibula. Or sometimes even way up high in your fibula, way up by your knee can sometimes get injured. It's really a, a different area. But an ankle sprain, where the force comes out, it's different in everybody. That's why it's hard to predict sometimes when people have these injuries uh, where the uh, actual where the actual injury is. That's why you come in to see your doctor, get x-rays, you get a physical exam. Have you watched any of the World Cup this year, Ferris? Have you watched Neymar do his thing or Messi or uh, Ronaldo or Ronaldo with the great uh, three-goal game? You know, I've, I've watched a little bit of it. I've seen some of the highlights. But it, as you were talking, I, you know, they, they look great until, until four years ago when Neymar got hurt. Yeah. You know? I mean, he, if, if he's hurt, they're not winning. You yeah. know, I mean, that's the thing about soccer. It's weird because the game is, it's, you know, a 1-0 is a great game. But without the superstar, you know, I mean, you're not going to win. So that's too bad. It's too yeah. bad for them. Right, yeah. Yeah, especially uh, I thought the great game was Ronaldo. Ronaldo actually had the game where he – uh did oh, he? yeah, scored everything, right? Yeah, yeah, and I feel sorry for the guy on the, uh, what is it called, the penalty kick? I forget what the freak, notch penalty kick, where they had to stand in front of him. That ball must have been going Got by it. him like 150, uh, 150 uh, miles an hour, and he sticks his head out in the way and tries to get his head in the way. So, pretty scary. Well, so. yeah, that could be that could be tough. 
<laughs> yep. Hey, when we come back, we're going to be talking to uh, Tom Foley. He's been a 13-year Major League Baseball infielder. He was also the longest-tenured coach of the Tampa Bay Rays. We're going to have that interview and more coming up here on Docs and Jocks. Stay tuned to your sports medicine radio show. We'll be right back. Ouch, my knee is killing me. You know you need an MRI. That's what your doctor said. I know, I know, but it's going to cost three, $4,000? Well, it could, but did you tell him that you wanted to go to MDI? MDI? Medical Diagnostic Imaging of Abilene. MDI will save us thousands of dollars. Let me show you. Here, look at the MDI website. Wow, and that's with or without insurance? If you need a CAT scan or MRI, you have a choice. Before you go anywhere else, call MDI for a free price quote. Call 325-695-4624 or go online to mdiofabilene.com. Now that we've saved all that money and my knee is fixed, I think I need a new set of clubs. <laughs> no, we're getting new carpet in the living room. That's MDI of Abilene. Relax. You have a choice. Call 325-695-4624 and make sure you tell them you heard about it on Docs and Jocks. No one burns calories like Firehouse Subs. Introducing our hearty and flavorful under 500 calorie menu. Steaming hot sriracha beef, hook and ladder light, turkey cranberry, and more. Six new subs, four new salads, overflowing with flavor under 500 calories. And starting at only $5.49. Under 500 calories never tasted so hearty and flavorful. Firehouse Subs. One bite, one taste, you're hooked. When it comes to electric prices, do what the Cowboys do and trust ProStar Energy Services to perform for your business. Every company uses electricity. That part's simple, but getting a good deal on electricity isn't. That's why the Cowboys rely on ProStar's team to secure the lowest electricity price available. Let us draft a strategy to help your business beat the competition with bottom line savings on your electric bill and custom solutions that keep your team focused on moving the ball. To score big for your business, call ProStar today at 817-892-4250. And MDI Abilene. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Man, it's so great to have you joining us today. If you ever want to catch our show and you're outside of our listening audience, so you can do so by going to your iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X and J-O-X. Subscribe to us and listen to us anytime, anywhere. This is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician, joined by my co-host Ferris Potter. Hey, Ferris, we're very honored, as always, to have on special guests, and this one is no different today. We have on Tom Foley is on the line with us. Tom is a 13-year Major League Baseball uh, player veteran. He has also been with the – he was with the Reds, the Phillies, the Expos, and the Pirates during some of the best years of those teams. He has also been the longest-tenured coach with the Tampa Bay Rays, and he's a friend of our good friend, uh, Mike Compey Compton. Tom, thanks for being on Docs and Jocks. My pleasure. And speaking of Mike, uh, he's a great guy, just a salt of the earth kind of guy. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's been on the show before, and uh, when I've had lots of other big leaguers tell me that he is uh, the best catching coordinator in all the big leagues. That's quite a compliment. Would you agree? Yeah, uh, absolutely. The hardest worker too. Uh, he, he's got his hands in everything, but uh, yeah, he was very instrumental in my career. Well, speaking of a hard worker, 13 years Major League Baseball career that not many guys can say they've been in the big leagues over 10 years, and then you're also the longest-tenured coach with Tampa Bay Rays. Tell us, uh, go back in time and take us, uh, you just finished playing at Dade South Community College. You get drafted in the seventh round of the 1977 amateur draft. Tell us what it was like uh, hearing your name and uh, getting to find out you'd been drafted and uh, then getting a chance at uh, making the big leagues. 
Well, I mean, I, I signed a letter of intent to go to Dade yeah. Community College, but uh, got drafted out of high school and uh, really wasn't even thinking of getting drafted. I was actually playing basketball and waiting for my bu- good buddy to call and tell me when he got drafted. <laughs> uh, and then three days later, after uh, talking three days with the uh, scout George Zura, who I still now keep in touch with, a great human being, uh, signed with the Reds and spent six years in the minor leagues with them. And then two and a half with Cincinnati, uh, a half of each two years with uh, Philadelphia, seven over with Montreal, two with Pittsburgh, and then a half a year back with Montreal and then retired. Man, it had to be amazing uh, starting your career with the uh, – this is just after the big red machine. One of the best teams in all of baseball had some Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famers on that team. Tell us what it was like. Uh, was it somewhat intimidating breaking in with the Cincinnati Reds and, during their heyday? Well, going to spring training was pretty intimidating. I bet, yeah. Uh, back then, you know, a lot of guys, they didn't talk to you because, you know, they knew everybody was after your job. So I went there, and for three days, nobody said peep to me. <laughs> and uh, I'm standing at shortstop the fourth day of workouts, and all of a sudden I hear this squeaky little voice going, Tommy. <laughs> and I turn around. I didn't say anybody but George Foster, and I said, I can't be that guy. <laughs> and uh, it happened two more times. Finally, so turn around, I caught George. I didn't know he spoke with such a high-pitched voice, but... <laughs> first guy to talk to me but it was great there were still guys there johnny bench was still there dave concepcion tony perez um so th- there was a lot of guys uh sparky anderson was uh, still the manager when i yeah. was going to big league camp but uh yeah my first year in the big leagues though uh tony was uh hanging around as a coach and and uh bench was still playing third base and for one year yeah. Uh, so and then I backed up Concepcion. That was my job. Backed up Concepcion. Wow, amazing! Fair. Have a question for Tom Foley? Yeah, Tom. So I imagine they they eventually started talking to you. Did, did they try to help you develop as as a as a major leaguer once uh, they started talking to you, or was it kind of always that cold shoulder thinking, "Hey, this guy might take my job"? No, no, no. It was it was uh, it, it probably just happenstance of, of what took place. Uh, uh, George is <laughs> just out there and talked to me, but. You know, they, they go about their business in a professional way. Uh, but, no, it, I became very close friends with a lot of them. Uh, in fact, all of them uh, yeah. that were on the club. So, Yeah, for those who don't know uh, George Foster, he was one of the premier home run hitters of his time. I think one year he got really close to or may have hit 50 home runs, so quite a prolific home run hitter. You, and then you go on, speaking of prolific home run hitters, you played with the Philadelphia Phillies with the likes of Mike Schmidt, probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, third baseman of all time in Major League Baseball. What was it like yeah. playing with the great Mike Schmidt? Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. You know, Schmidt was there. Uh, Carlton was still pitching. Uh, we had Von Hayes, uh, Wilson. We had a couple of veterans in Greg Gross. And uh, uh, Dave Stewart was there. So we, we, had a, we had a good club, Juan Samuel. And I got traded over there halfway through the season. And then halfway through the next season, got traded over to Montreal, where I spent most of my career, but uh, enjoyed my time in Philadelphia. One of the things that makes your career rather unique, and we're talking to Tom Foley, a big league player for 13 years and a coach with the Tampa Bay Rays, is the fact that you played so many positions. Speak to some young players who are out there who want to have a dream of someday playing in the big leagues about the uh, ability to be able to play multi-positions and how that helped your chances and helped you stay in the big leagues. Well, you know what, you think, I think that's going on uh, quite often nowadays. I mean, we, we've had Ben Zoberst over here uh, yeah. in the past years who came up as a shortstop, uh, sent him back down. When he came back up, he played short, he played second, played some outfield, and morphed into being the Ben Zoberst who could play anywhere and would play all the time but at different positions. So, uh, you know, I think – and I, I came up as a shortstop the whole way through the minor leagues but went to instructional ball to play second base. Um, and that just uh, – 
you know, open some doors instead of them just needing a, if they needed a second baseman, they knew I could play second base. So there's a lot of that going on in the organizations now trying to play multiple positions to free up a roster spot. Yeah. Ferris. Hey Tom, I, I love looking back at the, the Montreal Expos at the book up, up and away that, I mean, you're mentioning there, your tenure there. What was it like uh, going up and playing in Montreal as they were, they were really kind of in the, in the emphases of that franchise? It was a blast. My family loved it. I loved it. Met good people there. We uh, we had good teams there. Uh, we were in the hunt. I think the Cubs beat us in the last series in one year, and St. Louis beat it, clinched the uh, playoff berth at their place against us. But we had good teams. Andre Dawson was there. Tim Raines was there. Gary Carter was there. Andres Galarraga, Tim Wallach. Um, you know, we had uh, pitchers, Dennis Martinez, uh Randy Johnson. So um, we've had a lot of good players there, and um, it's unfortunate that uh, the way it happened, where the you know the, the team had to, had to move to Washington. But uh, and again, I wasn't there in '94, but they had the best team in baseball in '94, and things didn't quite work out because of the strike. Right. You know, you think about your career, and you played with the likes of uh, Johnny Bench, considered by some as the greatest catcher of all time. Your all-time hits leader with. Uh, uh, Pete Rose, some consider Joe Morgan the greatest second baseman of all time, the greatest third baseman, uh, Mike Schmidt. And then you finish your career with the Pittsburgh Pirates with the uh, all-time home run leader, Barry Bonds. It's quite a career. You played with some of the greatest of all time, for sure. I had a great career. I played with a bunch of great players, and I played 12 and a half years, and I can go anywhere and nobody will notice me. It was a perfect <laughs> career. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, what's neat about that career, too, is then you go on and you become the longest tenured coach with the Tampa Bay Rays playing, uh, coaching with the likes of Hal McRae, uh, Lou Pinella, one of the uh, you know most colorful play, uh, managers in all of baseball, and then uh, Joe Madden, who fits in that same category. Tell us what it's like uh, coaching after you finish playing with some of the likes of Joe Madden and uh, Lou Pinella. Yeah, you know, I, I came over to the organization. I retired in 95, uh, halfway through the season. Ten days later, Chuck Lamar calls me up, and I get interviewed. To, there were no players. The organization was just starting up. I didn't even know who Chuck Lamar was. Ended up uh, signing with them as the field coordinator, and then eventually became the field coordinator and the farm director. And then in 2002, the uh, third base coach for Hal McCray. And, uh, it, you know, I played for Hal McCray. He was our hitting coach up in Montreal for a year or two. And then um, Hal left and uh, brought in uh, Lou Pinella, and uh, he kept me around, which I was very thankful for. Uh, and he's, he was totally different from yeah. Al. Oh, yeah. Of course, Lou's totally different from everybody. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I can tell you he wears his emotions on his sleeves in the dugout on the field, but he's a big teddy bear off the field. <laughs> uh, great guy. Uh, I'd work for him any day. And then Joe Madden came in, who was totally different from those two. I mean, just absolutely different. Positive from the word go. Uh, you know, even the two years before we started, before we went to the World Series, uh, he told us we can compete. We're we're good. Uh, it was just a matter of getting the guys to believe it. Uh, you know, and uh, we just started battling the Red Sox and the Yankees, and things just happened. And for four or five years, we we became uh, a pretty good ball club. So they're all different to work for. I would work for all of them again. Um, uh, you know, it was just, uh, I think I learned something from every one of them every day, just about it. It, it was a good experience. Hey, you listen to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. We're interviewing 13 year major league baseball veteran, Tom Foley Ferris. Hey Tom, I, I've got my own opinions on this, but I want to get your thoughts. You've spent your entire adult career in, in, in baseball, in the game. Is, is the game in trouble? Everybody wants to talk about how much trouble the game's in and they want to make these 
I think somewhat significant changes, some in, you know small changes to, to fast, you know, speed up the pace. I mean, what are your thoughts as a guy who's, who's been, a, been a baseball lifer? Well, uh, I guess uh, back when I played, the games were a little bit quicker. I remember Tom Browning throwing uh, two and a half hour games, sometimes oh. two twenty, two fifteen. I mean, we just get through it. Um, people got to remember too that you know you have in between innings, you have the you know network breaks where they have to. You know, I get two and a half minutes on ESPN. I think if it's local, it's two minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, every half inning, that adds up a little bit, too. So, the, I mean, the game is, has always been around three. They're trying to, to cut time off. Um, they've been doing that for years now, uh, changing the rules in the minor leagues. They have a pitch clock. Uh, you get 15 seconds once you get the ball back, and you're on the, on the rubber to, to come to a stretch. And if time runs out, it's an automatic ball. So I've seen that travel around the minor leagues this year. Uh, they're doing a lot of things. I don't think the game's in trouble whatsoever. Uh, not whatsoever. I think the changes they're making, they're trying to make the changes to appease the, the fans. Uh, you know, the, uh, they do a lot of stuff for the fans. Uh, I think that's one of the things to make the games quicker, uh, so that they don't have a lot of dead time in the games. But, uh, baseball is baseball. And, and if you're going to come watch a game, it's going to be 245, three, uh, three hours. You know, you uh, mentioned uh, Tom that the uh, scout that found you uh, and drafted helped you get you drafted and started your major league baseball career. You've had some experience. I now was reading through that you've had some experience with scouting. Tell us where the world of scouting is. You know, we talk about all these saber metrics now and uh, trying to replace scouting with you know numerical numbers instead instead of scouts. Where is that world of scouting right now? Well, I think there's a lot of information that's uh, that's gathered uh, in the big leagues for sure. In every ball club, there's uh, all kinds of things set up in every stadium. Where they can get uh, things such as field FX, um, stack test, uh, a lot of stuff for the pitchers. So, uh, and that's fed back. I think they can do it in some ballparks in college. Uh, this would be the first year that, that I've gone out and scouted. Uh, I did amateur scouting this year for the draft, went to high school and, and, and college teams. Um, there's a lot of information gathered. Uh, absolutely. That's changed a lot. And, uh, but it's still the scouts. The scouts have to gather the information. And they have to bring that in, write the reports, um, and then along with the the numbers that are fed in, uh, you kind of formulate what you think of that player. And, and every club does it. Every club has access to it. Right. I was just kind of following up on Ferris's question about the, where the state of the baseball uh, world is right now. We see Major League Baseball really uh, the numbers as far as like sacrifice bunting, uh, hit and runs. Those types of things have continued to uh, go down over the last few years. Steals, those kind of things. That was uh, seems like in the 70s and 80s, if you needed a bunt, it was done. If you needed a hit and run, maybe you played on a team, uh, you know, with the Reds who made a lot of their uh, great wins and the great teams with with Pete Rose doing hit and runs and those are hit and runs. Right. Where do you feel like uh, the small ball? You think that's going to see something that will cycle back and forth? You think that'll come back, or we have we uh, entered a world of home runs and strikeouts? I don't think you're going to see that too much anymore. Uh, you know, the guys that can steal bases uh, and the real good base still is they're going to run. Uh, it won't be the 100 stolen bases a year. It won't be the 75 stolen bases a year. But they're, they're, they're going to run. And uh, every once in a while, teams will, will hit and run. Uh, Bunning-wise, uh, that, that's changed. The mindset has changed. Uh, we don't want to get, you don't want to give outs. Uh, if there's a man on second base, you'd like to try to move the runner over. Uh, but also, you probably take three cracks to get in the base hit to get them in. Yeah. Uh, but there are times when, when, when you would move them over, you know, it depended on maybe who'd be hitting, who might be in the hole or who might be on, on deck. So 
uh, all those things come into play when you're thinking about making a move like that. But, uh, yeah, the bunting, and I talked about it the other day. I went to the trop and met a 91-year-old man that had an apparatus he invented that he wanted to show me that, that could help teach bunting. <laughs> you know, basically looked at him and said, we don't, we don't bunt a whole lot anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's a different world. Yeah, absolutely. So, yep. uh, but, Ferris, you have a question for Tom Foley? Yeah, Tom, you mentioned when you came up with the Reds that Bench was over there at third base, and later you played with Mike Schmidt. Here's the real question. Who was the better third baseman, Johnny Bench or Mike Schmidt? <laughs> no, <laughs> hands, uh, I hope Johnny's not listening, but yeah, yeah. Schmidt, hands down. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, Johnny was uh, probably one of the best catchers I've seen, too. So uh, fun to play with both of them, great personalities. Uh, helped me out a lot, uh, especially J.B., uh, my first year in the big leagues, kind of took me under his wing and uh, – uh, you know, taught me the ropes and, and how to be a professional and how to act on and off the field. So, uh, a whole lot to both of them. Hey, Tom, we just have another minute or so here. Who were some of your mentors coming up? Who are the guys you tried to emulate? Who are the guys that you kind of idolized as a kid that you tried to make your big league game like theirs? Well, I mean, you know, uh, I ended up playing against Ozzy Smith, but yeah. Ozzy Smith was one of those guys uh, that uh, my dad was a big Dodger fan, so. You know, I'd, I'd always watch TV and watch the Dodgers play, and, and uh, he'd always talk about Pee Wee Reese and, and uh, uh, guys like that. But, you know, coming up, I, I spent six years in the minors and uh, never worried about getting released and never worried about making it to the big leagues. I just went to where I was supposed to go that year and play and come home. Uh, and, you know, it, it worked out. Uh, not as quick as I wanted to because when I signed, I said I'd be there in two years. Little did I know how the minor leagues worked. Yeah. Uh, so it was six years later that I, that I made it, but very fortunate that I did. Very blessed to have a career that I had. Uh, but you know, if you talk about mentors, it was the coaches in the minor leagues. Yeah. Um, uh, Ron Plaza, who has since passed away, uh, very hard nosed guy. Uh, you couldn't get the best of him, but I wouldn't let him beat me. And I guess that's what helped me. It helped me uh, <laughs> to drive myself because yeah. he hit ground balls and he said, "Have you had enough?" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "No, you haven't." <laughs> and then, you know, I said, "Okay, I haven't." Then. Uh, you just couldn't beat him, uh, uh, Jimmy Hoff and uh, Mike Compton, obviously. Yeah. Well, you know what? We don't have enough time. We don't have enough time for this interview. About a great interview, man, with almost 20 years of uh, professional baseball under your belt as well as uh, coaching after that. So I want to say thank you, Tom, for coming on Docs and Jocks. We'll have to have you come on again real soon and tell us some more big league stories, man. We appreciate you being on the show. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Hey, we're right back with more Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show after a short commercial break. Ouch, my knee is killing me. You know you need an MRI. That's what your doctor said. I know, I know, but it's going to cost three, $4,000? Well, it could, but did you tell him that you wanted to go to MDI? MDI? Medical Diagnostic Imaging of Abilene. MDI will save us thousands of dollars. Let me show you. Here, look at the MDI website. Wow, and that's with or without insurance? If you need a CAT scan or MRI, you have a choice. Before you go anywhere else, call MDI for a a free price quote. Call 325-695-4624 or go online to mdiofabilene.com. Now that we've saved all that money and my knee is fixed, I think I need a new set of clubs. <laughs> no, we're getting new carpet in the living room. That's MDI of Abilene. Relax. You have a choice. Call 325-695-4624 and make sure you tell them you heard about it on Docs and Jocks. 
no one burns calories like Firehouse Subs. Introducing our hearty and flavorful under 500 calorie menu. Steaming hot sriracha beef, hook and ladder light, turkey cranberry, and more. Six new subs, four new salads, overflowing with flavor under 500 calories. And starting at only $5.49. Under 500 calories never tasted so hearty and flavorful. Firehouse Subs. One bite, one taste, you're hooked. When it comes to electric prices, do what the Cowboys do and trust ProStar Energy Services to perform for your business. Every company uses electricity. That part's simple, but getting a good deal on electricity isn't. That's why the Cowboys rely on ProStar's team to secure the lowest electricity price available. Let us draft a strategy to help your business beat the competition with bottom line savings on your electric bill and custom solutions that keep your team focused on moving the ball. To score big for your business, call ProStar today at 817-892-4250. You're listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Abilene Sports Medicine, Hardin-Simmons University, and Lawrence Hall Chevrolet. Touchdown. Now, back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Man, it's awesome to have you join in our sports medicine show. If you uh, ever want to call, uh, find out how to get, be part of our show, you can do so by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com, and you can send us your question or your uh, anything you want to find out more about our show is there at docsandjocks.com. Joined each week with my co-host, Ferris Potter. Hey, Ferris, just finished a great interview with uh, Tom Foley. Anybody who can say they played in the big leagues for 13 years has been a successful career, even if it was a utility player playing backup some years, but 13 years in the big leagues, you've done something special. Yeah, I love talking to those baseball lifers, man. So much knowledge, so much wisdom. It's too bad we don't get to talk to them a little bit longer, but yeah, pretty cool. I would love, I could talk to him for hours about his time in Montreal. That, that's, an, that's a very interesting part of baseball history to me, that whole Expos thing, and he yeah. was right there for about three years. But, um, man, the people that he came up with, that he played with, I mean, icons. Of, I mean, top 50 players ever to play the game. Yeah, you think about this. He came up, uh, he was drafted in 77, so his first spring training would have been in uh, 77, 78. So you're coming with the Cincinnati Reds, who are just coming off of being the big red machine, the greatest team a lot of people would argue is in the short list of greatest teams ever. So you're coming up to spring training with Pete Rose, Dave Concepcion, Joe Morgan, Tony Perez, Johnny Bench, George Foster, Ken Griffey, just to name a few. Unbelievable. Cesar Geronimo. I love that name. Cesar Geronimo, one of the greatest baseball names ever. Ah. But, yeah, that's who he came up with with the Philadelphia or the Cincinnati Reds. Hey, tell our listening audience about uh, the book you read about Montreal Expos. A lot of our baseball fans would probably like to know the name of that and why that Montreal Expos has kind of become a favorite of yours. Yes, it's called Up, Up, and Away. It's Jonah Carey. It goes through the, you know, the, the start of the Expos all the way through the demise of the Expos, moving to uh, Washington. It talks about the politics of that. talks about you know, the city, how they embraced him, but, you know, getting a stadium. I mean, Bud Selig was involved with some of that, too, and kind of the ownership politics and stuff. But, you know, you, you, you forget, um, at the time of that, I think it was, what, 94 was the strike? They had the best team in baseball. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt they were going to win the World Series. Larry, Larry Walker. Everybody kind of looks back and go, oh, the Expos are always bad. No, they weren't always bad. They were really, really good yeah. uh, for a time there. And they have some Hall of Famers. They had some great players. I mean, they had Pedro Martinez. They had Randy Johnson. I mean, you know, not to mention Tim Raines and the Hawk and, you know, um, Rusty Staub when he was a great, I mean, they had some great, great players, but it's a cool book. If you like baseball, I would, I would get it up, up and away by uh, Jonah Carey. It's, it's really good read. 
you know, I lost one of our favorite. I'm a, I'm, I'm a political guy, and I like to listen to uh, Fox News sometimes. And one of my favorite commentators, Charles Krauthammer. I didn't realize that Charles Krauthammer was one of the. Uh, he was a huge baseball fan and absolutely adored the Washington Nationals once they moved from Montreal down to Washington. And uh, he would go to games all the time. In fact, he would want to leave the Brett Bear panel, whatever that panel was called, whatever they call themselves, to go get to a game. <laughs> he was in a wheelchair and he drove himself. But uh, they said he was a crazy maniac for the Washington Nationals. But Charles Krauthammer was one of the great ones for sure. Yeah, I, I I really hope they get back to Montreal. I think the city could do it. It's always yeah. about the stadium, but um, I think it's a great sports town. I think it'd be nice to have another another team up there. I'd much rather have a team up there than you know in, in Mexico or in Puerto Rico or you know overseas. I mean, they're talking about London maybe for a team. It's like, oh, good grief, come on. So I'm I'm hoping they get back there. You know, with either expansion or maybe moving moving. I'd rather not see expansion. I kind of like them see. See a move a team or something like that, you know? You know, I mentioned with Tom Foley, I mentioned on air, but it is quite remarkable when you say some of the greatest position players of all time that he played with. I mean, you got Ben Catcher. He'd definitely be in the short list, right? You've got... No, yeah. I mean, I don't... He might be it, right? Yeah, I mean, might I be Yogi Berra, maybe? Yogi Berra, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, maybe. I mean, he won more. Yogi was a winner, yeah. and he was great, but I'd take... I can't think of anybody who wouldn't take Ben over. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, you're right. He's... He's one. He's on the Mount Rushmore of greatest catchers of all right. time. <laughs> then you go uh, third base. Mike Schmidt, I think, would definitely be the third base. My, it, my, I mean, he's yeah, he's number two after George Brett, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, George Brett. Yeah. <laughs> then you go. Uh, Joe Morgan would be in the short list for a uh, second baseman for second sure. Second base. Rogers Hornsby's probably yep. the greatest of all time, but Joe Morgan would be right there with him. And then you've got uh, Pete Rose, who he's kind of a unique cat in the fact that he kind utility of utility guy, utility guy. He played second, third, first, and outfield. So I don't really worry. But Pete Rose is on the list of greatest players of all time. Just what position you're going to put him at? Tony Perez wouldn't be considered the greatest of all time, but he's fantastic. definitely he was fantastic. So yeah, he's he played with some great. Oh, and then then uh, Barry Bonds. He played finished his career with Barry Bonds with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Probably be in the outfield. Probably in the short list of outfielders in the top. I don't know ten at least if you. Uh, include steroid era players but yeah yeah well you need uh, andre dawson he played with oh, him andre dawson, in, yeah. in, in you know the hawk up there play with tim raines up there did tim um, raines finally make the hall of fame and, by uh, the way i think tim raines finally did didn't he I, I can't remember if he got in he's always he's always been that guy that's on the bubble i can I always he forget. deserves to be in yeah, there yeah one of the great base dealers of all um, time so i mean and pitching wise you know he, he said lefty i mean carlton was there in philly when he got there i mean so yeah he's, he's seen some great yeah, Tom Seaver would have been with the uh, Reds when he first got there. So Tom Seaver, yeah, Steve Carlton, wow. Pedro Martinez, well, he probably wasn't there when he was with the uh, Expos. But, yeah, some great, great players for sure. Hey, I thought we could talk a little bit about sports medicine injuries in the news. You know, we always talk about football injuries because uh, they just they – they're basically nonstop all year round now. We see that with the Los Angeles Chargers. By the way, Ferris, I cannot get used to saying Los Angeles Chargers. Does not sound right. Doesn't seem right in any – It doesn't. No. Should, I'm, I'm, I'm I don't like it. Formerly known as the San Diego Chargers. Maybe that makes sounds better. How about that? And yeah, uh, they lose like their it. star tight end. Uh, Henry uh, goes down. He suffers a season-ending ACL rupture in the team's OTAs. What? I yeah. didn't see that. Yeah. So Philip, Oh, my God. So remember, this. the background story of this is they had future Hall of Famer Antonio Gates, right? So Antonio Gates is yeah. basically Philip Rivers' go-to guy for a decade. He decides that he's going to become a free agent. The Chargers part ways with him and say, no, because we have Henry, we're going to let you go. And so now that they lose their star tight end, a, thir- a third-year player, they guess who they're calling now? If you're Antonio Gates, did the price just go up, Ferris? Oh, of course. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, 
Look, if nobody else is calling, no. Yeah. The price is for whatever you want to pay me, man. I'll play some more to extend my career. But, um, yeah, that's that's too bad. We see that. I mean, we see that every year. At least one, usually two or three, significant injuries in the OTA. It seems like it's always on day one too. I can't remember all of them, but it always seems like day one. And this is a non-contact ACL injury. And so, if you don't know what that means, an ACL is your anterior cruciate ligament. A ligament is what holds one bone to another bone. And the anterior cruciate ligament is a one that holds your tibia to your uh, femur. So the big bone in your upper leg connecting down to your uh, big bone in your lower leg. And there's crisscross ligaments in there. Cruciate means cross. So when they crisscross in there, one is your posterior cruciate ligament and your anterior cruciate ligament. And they have different roles in the knee. But basically your anterior cruciate ligament doesn't allow your tibia to slide forward on your femur. Or some people say it doesn't allow your femur to slide back on your tibia. And it also helps stabilize the rotation of your knee. So your knee, when you stand on it, you have a little bit of rotation in your knee. It's stopped by that anterior cruciate ligament. So a non-contact anterior cruciate ligament means you were just cutting or running. Nobody hit you. It wasn't a traumatic injury where someone blasted into it and blew it out. You were just basically running and cutting, and you, the uh. ligament can't withstand the amount of force you have go through it, and then it ruptures. And when it ruptures, you then have to give it a – you basically go in and put in a new one, a graft, and you give the person a anterior crucial ligament. Because if you don't, if a young football player like uh, the Chargers tight end, if they don't go in there and replace the anterior crucial ligament, because of that extra motion in the knee, the rotation and the and the uh, the uh, forward and, and posterior translation of the knee, you start getting wear and tear earlier, which we call that osteoarthritis of the knee or degenerative arthritis. So by the time he's 50 years old, he's looking at having to get a knee replacement. So when a young, active, athletic person who tears or ruptures their ACL ligament, you're going to give them a, uh, basically going to reconstruct their ACL ligament. So he is out for at least a year on average. That's the average time with an anterior crucial ligament before they'll come back and play a, a strong contact sport like football is. And uh, so, yeah, they are left without one of their, their best players for sure. So you might ask, Ferris, why do people have non-contact ones? And it's just the way your knee, the way you're made, it's the way you're pelvis is, it's their core stability, it's how your hamstrings and your quadriceps, the muscles in your upper leg, how they interact, it's the angle of your knees or your pelvis, we call that uh, genuvalgus or Q angle is the name, got big fancy medical terms for for measuring that, but basically which direction your knees and your pelvis run in in conjunction with each other. Remember that kinetic chain you were talking about, how you're Mm -hmm. basically a box with little pendulums hanging underneath it? If the box is in line exactly right with the uh, pendulums, in other words, there's a little uh, a buckle or a, a, a motion of the knee that doesn't put it all in line, we call that genuvalgus of the knee, it will sometimes cause you your knee to buckle even easier, which then causes the extra stress on the ligament, which then it can't take, and then it, then it ruptures. So most of your ACL uh, injuries you see in like really fast runners and track guys, they're normally non-contact. We see it more in women, but it does happen in men as well. So, yeah, it seems like every year, though, you're right. At uh, OTAs, the very beginning of football season, day one, someone goes down with a big injury. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it happens It happens all the time. I, mean, I don't know how you fix it because you got to play gotta the game. training at some yeah. point, whether it's an OTA or whatever. At some point, you're going to have to start training. But, yeah, it's too bad because he's, he's a really good up-and-coming uh, player. I mean, he wasn't necessarily up-and-coming. He's a good player, you know, that they need, good young player. Would you like to hear my theory why it happens when people start training? Like OTAs. Yes. Here's my theory. There's, I, I don't have any empirical data to back this up, but this is my theory. I think players try and get bigger, faster, stronger in the off season. Typically, that includes adding some weight. Remember, okay. ligaments are holding one bone connected to another bone. 
So if you get stronger, if there's more weight, that ligament hasn't gotten any bigger. You don't hypertrophy or you don't make the ligament get bigger as your muscles get bigger. We can increase muscle size as we break down muscle cells. They heal and they become wider in diameter, which collectively then makes your muscle bigger. Well, ligaments don't do that. So if you're a big guy and you add on more weight, which is what a tight end in NFL is basically doing, you're now expecting the ligament to hold more weight when you run shift cut. So they're working at getting bigger, faster, stronger. Now suddenly Mm -hmm. the very first day of OTAs, they've gotten bigger. They go out and you, I don't care how much you practice, you never quite practice the way you do when you go out and you're playing with your team for the first time. I've just been an athlete. Right. I can practice all day long, but when it's game time and I'm running the bases from first to second in my first double of the season, I'm running that differently at a different pace, a different speed, a different intensity, no matter how hard I practice. I, I just just right. human nature. So I think these guys go at a different speed, a different intensity level on day one that they haven't done in the off season, and they're bigger and they're stronger, and they're expecting more out of those ligaments. That's my theory. I don't have anything to back that up scientifically, but you see it every year, and that's what I'm that's what I'm going with. Yeah, I mean it may, it makes sense, right? I mean, um, I, I mean we see it every year, um, and there's there's really probably no way to get around. I mean, what what's the fix for that? If that theory is correct, how, how do you how do you fix that? Yeah, what we try and do is uh, there are programs, and they we don't see them done as as much in men as we do women because uh, ACL injuries are more common in women. But there are ACL rupture preventative programs that you can try and really work at stabilizing the muscles of the knee, the, the muscles around it, so that when you land, most non-contact uh, ACL injuries happen when you're cutting or coming down from a jump or coming down on your step and your knee buckles in. So you want to have something that helps stabilize that. And so learning to land in the correct position when you're jumping and learning to stabilize and, and how to stabilize the knee with certain exercises has been shown to be helpful. Now, just like everything mm. else that is preventative, if you're an NFL football player and they're saying, hey, you're gonna, you're gonna make, we're going to pay you millions of dollars to catch a football as a tight end. What are you probably working on? Are you working on catching footballs as a tight end? Or are you working on ACL preventative program? I mean, really, let's just be in real life. Yeah. Catching catch footballs. Catching yeah. footballs, yeah. So nobody likes to do preventative programs because this is what I preach all day long in the clinic when I'm talking to people with back pain. Like, here's a set of exercises that if you do them routinely when your back doesn't hurt, you will prevent back pain the vast, vast majority of it. I would predict that these are people who've, who've paid to come see me as the expert for in the spine world. I give them a program that says if you do this routinely, your back will get better and you will not have back problems down the road. I, I and, I'm, and I'm telling you, I think about 10% of patients do it routinely, and I may be I may be overestimating the number. And we go we go through it in the office. I show them the program in the office. I send them to physical therapists who are experts in showing them the program. They come in multiple times to learn the program. They pay to come in to do that, and I bet you 10% of them do it routinely. So if that's the, that's the scenario we have in my office, I think the yeah. uh, chance of doing preventative things uh, to try and prevent ACL injuries is just very, very difficult to do. My, my mom likes to tell the story. When my dad was younger, he, he, had, a, he had a back. You know, back was getting in all kind of trouble, and we had a real good friend who's a chiropractor. And he went to the chiropractor, and the guy said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix you up. You're out of point. He goes, but if you just do these few basic calisthenic exercises. It's taking like five, five to ten minutes every day. Do them in the morning when you get up. It, you're probably going to be fine. 
Well, like, my dad just did him religiously. And, like, six months later, we see Benny again. And he's like, Bruce, how come you haven't come and visit me? He goes, I feel great. And he goes, you do? Why? And he goes, I'm doing what you told me to do. And he goes, man, I'm glad all my other patients aren't like you. I'd be out of business. <laughs> I know. It's so true, man. It's so true in the spine world. And I just can't tell you enough of the importance of if you want to have a long-term uh, non-painful back, do a core stability and strengthening program. I cannot preach it enough. I see. Pa- I saw three this morning, Ferris, that I had the same conversation with. Before, right before I came on the show, we just the three right before I came out here, they were the exact same. I'm like, these are the exercises you need to do if you want to get back to where your hips don't hurt, your knees don't hurt, your your ankles don't hurt. And every one of them, every one of my patients looked at me like I was a three headed monster because they're like, I don't want to do those exercises. And I'm like, I know, but there's no magic fairy dust, man. The closest thing we have is called a core stability and strengthening program. You can do it. You don't have to do it, but you know, it's my livelihood that you're helping if you continue to, to ignore me and not do these exercises. So please, if you have a bad back, get on a core stability program, learn it from a physical therapist, a great athletic trainer, a strength and conditioning coach, a personal trainer, a sports medicine doctor, wherever you want to learn it, but learn it. So just a little piece of advice. Wow. We'll be right back with more Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show after this commercial break. Ouch, my knee is killing me. You know you need an MRI. That's what your doctor said. I know, I know, but it's going to cost three, $4,000? Well, it could, but did you tell him that you wanted to go to MDI? MDI? Medical Diagnostic Imaging of Abilene. MDI will save us thousands of dollars. Let me show you. Here, look at the MDI website. Wow, and that's with or without insurance? If you need a CAT scan or MRI, you have a choice. Before you go anywhere else, call MDI for a free price quote. Call 325-695-4624 or go online to mdiofabilene.com. Now that we've saved all that money and my knee is fixed, I think I need a new set of clubs. (laughs) No, we're getting new carpet in the living room. That's MDI of Abilene. Relax. You have a choice. Call 325-695-4624 and make sure you tell them you heard about it on Docs and Jocks. No one burns calories like Firehouse Subs. Introducing our hearty and flavorful under 500 calorie menu. Steaming hot sriracha beef, hook and ladder light, turkey cranberry, and more. Six new subs, four new salads, overflowing with flavor under 500 calories. And starting at only $5.49. Under 500 calories never tasted so hearty and flavorful. Firehouse Subs. One bite, one taste, you're hooked. When it comes to electric prices, do what the Cowboys do and trust ProStar Energy Services to perform for your business. Every company uses electricity. That part's simple, but getting a good deal on electricity isn't. That's why the Cowboys rely on ProStar's team to secure the lowest electricity price available. Let us draft a strategy to help your business beat the competition with bottom line savings on your electric bill and custom solutions that keep your team focused on moving the ball. To score big for your business, call ProStar today at 817-892-4250. Listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by West Texas Neurosurgery, Abilene Tech, and Sports Clips. Touchdown! Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, man. Great to have you all on the show today. Remember, you can listen to us anytime, anywhere by going to our iTunes podcast at Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Subscribe there. Man, we would love to be on one of your radio stations in your town. So if you hear our show and you like it on either our iTunes podcast or regular show, man, we would love to have you be part of our uh, listening audience in your radio station. Just uh, contact us at DocsandJocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. Great to have you. Hey, uh, 
My co-host each week is Ferris Potter, the voice of Grand Canyon University. And Ferris, we were talking a little earlier in the show about some uh, World Cup soccer. You and I uh, love sports, and we love talking uh, love soccer it. this time of the year. So guess who we have in studio here with us? We have on our soccer coach with Sergio Chacon. Uh, Sergio has been uh, part of, been playing soccer fair since the age of seven, where he started in uh, Chihuahua, Mexico. He's played all over the United States. He went to Abilene High, where he was the class of 2011. He then uh, went on and uh, tried out for the uh, Seattle Sounders, became part of their <clears throat> academy team. He's been with FC Dallas, West Texas, where he's been a youth coach. Sergio, thanks for being on Docs and Jocks. Great to be here. Yeah, it's awesome uh, having you be part of the show because this is, I think, the time, the holy grail for those who uh, love soccer when the World Cup is going on. Explain what it means, uh, for those of us in West Texas who don't follow soccer regularly, explain what it means to the world when the World Cup soccer tournament is going on. Oh, man, I like to describe this as like the Super Bowl, you know, bigger than the Super Bowl. In but it only case. occurs every few years. Exactly, and that's what makes it even bigger. Yeah. is uh, that That's what the joy of it is, is just having it every four years that – you don't just see back-to-back champions every now and then. Yeah. And in four years, a, a team that's dominated can change oh, within yeah. the Knicks. And so Germany is a great example. You yeah. know, they won last uh, World Cup. But completely this World dominant Cup, yeah. last one. Completely it's, dominant. Exactly. And then they start off this World Cup and lose 1-0 to Mexico. So yeah. things like that can happen. And it's huge. You see youth players develop into their prime and – just uh, it's just great to watch. I don't know. It's the best. By the way, ever. Mexico was very, very overjoyed. I watched the uh, broadcast and they were showing all the the Mexican nationals talking about how excited they were. They almost burned down the country. I think they were so excited to be Germany, man. I can't imagine if they win the World Cup. Oh man, party! <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is absolutely huge. The World Cup is. And uh, we're talking, uh, you know, in the United States, it's a, I think soccer is on the rise. I was able to interview uh, uh, Ferris and I interviewed Shannon Box, and then we've interviewed uh, Abby Wambach. Talking to them has really piqued my interest. In it. I really wish the United States would have made the World Cup. I feel like we were on the verge of continuing to uh, soccer and its popularity in the United States. I feel it's one of the things that kind of dampened it this year. You know, I don't hear as much about the World Cup as I did a few years ago when the United States was in it. Were you hoping they would begin it this year? I look at this more of a bittersweet situation. You know, like as a fan, it, it is unfortunate we didn't make it, but maybe this can be a learning curve for the U.S. for their development in the youth system. Maybe it's something like, hey, we're not doing something right. Let's fix it. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you, and I'm, I think Ferris has a question for you, but let's ask about what the fix is after this. Ferris. Yeah, I mean, I, I just wonder um, if, if, if it does dampen it, or, you know, like me, I, I never expected America to win anyways, even if they got in. So, <laughs> so I kind of was, I got rooted for them, right? But I never expected them to win. So I was always kind of looking at, like, oh, I like Brazil, I like their style, I like Nigeria, I like some of these African countries, how they play and their style. And, you know, Germany was obviously fun, you know, four years ago. Do you, Sergio, do you have a team, like, outside of the United States that you root for uh, every year? Or do you kind of go from year to year and see who you like and who's got good players and then the style and stuff? Uh, there's two teams. So one with my parents being from Mexico, so I root for Mexico. That's a that's a huge fan base for me right there. And then another one is Spain. I just love the style of how they play the play soccer and that's how I like to coach when it comes to coaching these kids teaching them how to actually play the game how it's supposed to be played hey let's talk Ronaldo for a little bit uh you know from an outside uh, soccer guy everything soccer amazes me that things you're able to do with your feet is just uh, and a ball is just absolutely uh, stunning but to a true soccer player like yourself was the uh, penalty kick that he kicked where he uh he bent it like Beckham is that what you call it is that how you used to say it where he hooked it and he hooked it in the outside upper corner was that as amazing to uh, 
a professional soccer player like you as it was to me, or was that just a usual kick? Oh, that was beautiful. It was beautiful. <laughs> I mean, even so, so that even stunned you, oh, huh? Oh, yes. Yeah. For sure. And, and how much, how, what do you think, uh, Ronaldo, is that just a God-given talent, or has he practiced that a gazillion times, and that's something he's learned over time? So, he, I mean, he has the talent, and he's just worked beyond his talent, and that's what has elevated his game beyond. And so it's just amazing to watch right now. You just got to enjoy it. Can all professional soccer players kick that bend like that around the, uh, the guys that are trying to block the blockers, I guess you call them, I don't know what you call them. In practice, yes. In games, that's different. <laughs> it's different in games, yeah. Well, let's talk about that. You know, we saw uh, the, the great Messi uh, missed a free kick, which is, I think, pretty stunning uh, given the fact that he's considered one of the best and, and is in the short conversation of mm -hmm. being the best in the world. So in a game, it is 100% different. So you've been in those situations where you've been up for a penalty kick or you've been up for a free kick mm -hmm. or been trying to head in a corner kick. So tell us what it's like. How, it just seems like it's unbelievably anxiety-provoking to be standing in front of a stadium in a world cup situation you and the goalie only put us in that situation you've been there we have and tell us what it's like it's the most nerve-wracking situation ever but you just got to be cool calm and collected it's easier said than done obviously. exactly exactly <laughs> i mean you, you can you can practice it thousands of times but when you're put in that situation especially for your whole country like messi did in front of the, the whole world that yeah. that's just insane amount of pressure yeah absolutely ferris so who is the best player in the world <laughs> is there a legit best player? Like, we know LeBron's the greatest player in the NBA. Is there a legit one guy, or are there three or four guys that are all, you know, they, they all deserve to be mentioned as the best player in the world? I like the categories uh, Messi and Ronaldo by themselves, and everyone else is below them. I don't like to compare those two because they play completely different, and I just enjoy them. I don't want to compare them. What makes their game so different and special that they would be considered the greatest? What, what is it about Ronaldo? What is it about Messi that makes them the best? Well, first of all, Ronaldo is six foot two, I believe, yeah, and he, if you look at him, the, stands out. Yeah, he is built, and if you think of a perfect footballer, like just physique-wise, you think of Ronaldo, mm -hmm. and then Messi, he's the total opposite. He's five foot six. Yeah, quick. Yeah, exactly. Five foot six. He's quick. He keeps the ball right down his feet. Uh, a lot of people like to say Messi's better just because. If you watch highlights of him, he's just dribbling through people. Ronaldo's just a pure goal scorer, so their game is just completely different in that aspect. Fierce. All right, I'm going to talk like I'm going to talk like a true American, non non growing up. Playing. I played soccer, but not know anything about soccer. It's eleven dudes, ten of them running all over the field. I know they got plays. How can one guy like dominate? How can one guy make that big of a difference in a game and always tend to be there? It's such a massive field, and there's so many other guys involved. That's a million-dollar question. Maybe you should ask him himself. <laughs> <laughs> so so how, how far does an average soccer player run in a given match? They say nine miles. So you've got to be in shape enough that you run nine miles by stop and starting nine miles. And high intensity, too. High intensity, stop, start, nine miles. Mm -hmm. So you work with lots and lots of young athletes. You're the FC Dallas West Texas uh, youth coach. What do you do uh, special to train your athletes to be one quick and then two powerful, and then three endurance athletes. Because it's a, it's a combination of all three in soccer, mm -hmm. right? Which is rare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, a big difference I've noticed with coaching here in the U.S. and other countries is that here in the U.S., and it has to do with, like, football being popular here, baseball, is what we see in basketball, too, seeing these six-foot-eight athletes, six-foot-five athletes just strong and quick, and we emphasize physique over techni technical skills. But if you look at other countries, they look at technical skills over physique. And so when I, I teach it, I teach more of just being able to be quick with the ball rather than just quick without it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Fierce? 
All right, so how do we recruit a Kobe Bryant or a LeBron James to choose soccer? Is that, I mean, that's, you know, what you're, that's what you're up against I, I mean, in the United States. I'm once, I'm once again speaking about physique and not technique, <laughs> which we just talked about, right? But if you had, like, like um, you know, Aiton, who just went number one in the draft as your goalie, you know, or Mumba, I mean, we could put some unbelievable athletes out there, but they just don't want to play soccer as kids. They want to play football, basketball, you know, that type of stuff. I've always said it. If we can get the true athletes here in the U.S. and train them like how we do with football players and basketball players and emphasize it towards soccer, the U.S. would be one of the top. But unfortunately, we don't, we don't do that. Do you think, do you think if, if, like, if you were that, I mean, here's my thing, right? If I was in charge of USA soccer, and I don't know anything about soccer, I would just think I'm going to get the best athletes possible. I'm going to go scare the living day. I'm going to put so much information about head trauma in, in, in football, even though I know it happens in soccer, too. I'm going to put so much information about head trauma in football. I'm going to scare everybody to make their kids play soccer instead of football. Would that work, you think, or would that be too bad? Would that be a bad idea? Well, there's a certain age you're not supposed to uh, or start uh, teaching heading. I don't know what age group. I think it's okay. 12, I believe. But he's talking about saying, uh, you know, he's so much scared in NFL football that mm-hmm. you, you scare them so much about concussions that they go to soccer. But you're right. Soccer is one of the sports that is pretty high in concussion rates mm-hmm. because of the headers in soccer. So, you know, that's one of the things if NFL, if you were a, a true soccer fan, you do what Ferris said, said, hey, you can't play NFL football or can't play youth football. Mm-hmm. You just could go play soccer. Really, there's a small decrease in the risk, but there still is a risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've probably yourself had headers where you've knocked heads with other people. But I get, I bet a guy like Ronaldo, six foot two, that's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Well. Well, I'll take the compliment with you thinking I go up for headers. I'm five foot eight. There's no way I'm winning a header. <laughs> Abby Wambach, that's what she was known for, wasn't it? She like oh, yes. loved to go up for headers. She was like a, a taller female, and she. I think I think I'm onto something here. I think I hope USA Soccer's listening. Maybe they'll make me the executive director. I, NFL would hate me. I would put that out constantly. Well, you know the you don't have to be a soccer fan to do that. Brett Favre is now doing that. You know, he just put out that he he says we should ban. Youth football, youth tackle football. Brett Favre just put that out. So you don't have to be a soccer fan to do that. Former NFL grace like the Brett Favres of the world are doing that now in football, banning youth tackle football. Thinks you should play uh, flag football until you're basically an adult brain. Dude, me, me and Brett Favre are going to fix this, and in, and in what it would be, at 12 years, USA is going to win the World Cup. Yeah, you know, it's Done. always been surprising that we're not Hire better me. at soccer. You know, you mentioned it briefly, Sergio, that we need to have some fix to be able to get the United States team where they need to be to beat the Brazils, uh, Spain, you name the English teams. Where, what are some of those fixes you mentioned? This is something I can talk about. Like for days. Well, let's do it. Yeah. You, gotta like, uh, you can't do it for days, but you've got five minutes. <laughs> it, it just, <laughs> Summarize. It just starts all the way from the bottom with the, with the youth system. We need to correct that for sure. And uh, if you look at like going back to football, for example, uh, if you put just a parent into a football team like Rec, that parent has some sort of knowledge that they can translate into coaching. But here in soccer with very little – knowledge towards soccer you can't just put any parent and yeah. so they put just a random parent teaching kids like how to me. play soccer yeah if i did that it'd be, tough. It'd be hard <laughs> yeah, i totally and, understand and so they, <laughs> they start they do start playing at a young age but then they play under a coach who doesn't really know much so by the time they hit like 10 years old here a 10 year old is like five years behind than someone 
else in another country. Because they have soccer academies in England. Exactly. I believe they start when they're like five mm-hmm. or six, and they've been playing for four or five years at that mm-hmm. time, and they basically know the general gist of the rules of the game. So yeah. we just start too late, and we don't have the great coaches like they do in some of these other exactly. countries. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I could totally see that. So where do you think uh, this soccer tournament, or where this World Cup is going to end up? You know, we have, you know, right now, how many teams are there? you got 32 teams going. Nobody's out yet. you got eight groups, four teams in each group. So kind of give me your uh, top two out of each uh, group who you think is going to be able to uh, – the advance. Honestly, there hasn't been a team that's really impressed me. Uh, I don't know. I think like everyone seems to be playing not to lose rather than play to win. Yeah. But which mm. makes sense right now because in the group stage you just want to advance and just get points. And once you get through that, then you play to win. Hopefully, well, my, we see that. My favorites to win are Germany, Brazil, France, and Spain. Of those, who do you think is going to advance? Who win it all? Wow. Going out on a limb. I know, right? Those are all the teams. Those are the ones I know of because, you know, those are the ones you hear of. So. Well, I are mean, the Netherlands in there? Are the Netherlands in it? No, they didn't qualify. They didn't qualify? I love those four <laughs> teams. I was going to root for them. I don't like the Vuvuzela team, whatever team that is. I can't remember who that is. South Africa. South Africa, yeah. 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 So who of those, who do you think, uh, Germany, Brazil, France, and Spain, who are the, kind of the tops right now, favorites to win it? Who's your, t- who's your top pick? Yeah, so you recently. Say Spain. <laughs> So here at the Forge, we had a create your bracket deal, and so I made a bracket, and I had Brazil winning it all. But how they've been playing lately, Ooh. I don't feel too confident about that. Pick. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. yeah. But but uh, then again, there's not a team right now that's really stand out. But tactically, Spain, I really like how they've been playing. Yeah. Well, also Spain. Who do you got, Doctor Dan? Who do you like, Doctor? Well, Dan? following that, I now like Spain. That's who I like the best. So I'm going with Messi and uh, Spain, right? Just Messi. Uh, Messi's Argentina. Oh yeah, whatever. So who's my Spain guy? Who's my Spain? Who's the best player in Spain? Oh, there's several. I mean, you got Isco. You got yeah, I'm that guy. Uh, He's Costa. My favorite. You got Asensio. I mean, I can just <laughs> name you all. Oh, yeah, you're like, who are these guys? <laughs> hey, so Sergio, you were talking about the fix being great youth soccer coaches. You're considered one of the greatest uh, youth soccer coaches in our area. So tell people uh, in our last couple minutes here what uh, how they can get involved with. The FC Dallas West Texas, and have you uh, trained your young star, your young uh, budding athlete, to become the next star of the World Cup? <laughs> oh man, hopefully we can get there. Uh, so we can just start off by you can just email me at sergio.chacone at theforgeabling.com. We can get in contact, and uh, FC Dallas West Texas that's a youth academy branched out from FC Dallas itself, and there's several branches in Midland and Lubbock. So ours is here in Abilene. We finally got it here last year. We started off with, I think, about 50 kids, and now we're growing up to over hundreds of kids. And hopefully we can continue to build that on and just continue to build soccer here throughout the community. And uh, just most importantly, just getting kids out there to just play. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because you train them both in uh, in the Forge and their youth classes where they're, you're training them basically to become better athletes. And then you also have your specialized soccer training, which you do one-on-one with them as well. So. Exactly. Hey, you can follow us at the Instagram at at the Forge Soccer, the uh, symbol at the Forge Soccer. And then also, what was again? Sergio Chacon. What was again? Sergio.chacon at the Forge Avalon. Chacon is spelled like bacon with a C-H. Yes, sir. There you go, right. man. Sergio Chacon <laughs> at the Forge Soccer. <laughs> Dot com, is that right? Exactly. Awesome. So, hey, thanks for being on the show, uh, Sergio. Uh, we we'll look forward thanks, to having sir. you on again. Thank Talk you. a little more soccer. We need to have an expert come in here because we definitely are I'll not. I'll give so. my prediction later. Okay. All right. All right, Ferris. <laughs> and we're right back with more on Docs and Jocks after the short commercial break. 
Ouch, my knee is killing me. You know you need an MRI. That's what your doctor said. I know, I know, but it's going to cost three, $4,000? Well, it could, but did you tell him that you wanted to go to MDI? MDI? Medical Diagnostic Imaging of Abilene. MDI will save us thousands of dollars. Let me show you. Here, look at the MDI website. Wow, and that's with or without insurance? If you need a CAT scan or MRI, you have a choice. Before you go anywhere else, call MDI for a free price quote. Call 325-695-4624 or go online to mdiofabilene.com. Now that we've saved all that money and my knee is fixed, I think I need a new set of clubs. <laughs> no, we're getting new carpet in the living room. That's MDI of Abilene. Relax. You have a choice. Call 325-695-4624 and make sure you tell them you heard about it on Docs and Jocks. No one burns calories like Firehouse Subs. Introducing our hearty and flavorful under 500 calorie menu. Steaming hot sriracha beef, hook and ladder light, turkey cranberry, and more. Six new subs, four new salads, overflowing with flavor under 500 calories. And starting at only $5.49. Under 500 calories never tasted so hearty and flavorful. Firehouse Subs. One bite, one taste, you're hooked. When it comes to electric prices, do what the Cowboys do and trust ProStar Energy Services to perform for your business. Every company uses electricity. That part's simple, but getting a good deal on electricity isn't. That's why the Cowboys rely on ProStar's team to secure the lowest electricity price available. Let us draft a strategy to help your business beat the competition with bottom line savings on your electric bill and custom solutions that keep your team focused on moving the ball. To score big for your business, call ProStar today at 817-892-4250. You're listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Sylvan Learning Center, Dr. Melton Chiropractic, and Texas Sports Hall of Fame. Touchdown. Now, back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Great to have you join us today. My name is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician, talking about what's going on in the sports medicine world, along with my co-host, Ferris Potter, the voice of Grand Canyon University. And Ferris, we're very excited about this interview we have online and very honored to have online Mike Roberts. He uh, formerly known as Lefty. He was a double-A pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals organization who went on to become a scout and is now the head cross-checker for the St. Louis Cardinals. He's been doing that for the St. Louis Cardinals organization since the late 1970s, three decades as a Cardinal Scout. Mike, thanks so much for being on Docs and Jocks. Well, thank you for having me. I, um, I, I, I'm I'm excited about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, we've had some Cardinal greats on, uh, as like uh, Mike Shannon, we've had on Ricky Horton, uh, we've had on some Cardinal greats uh, as well as, and it, you know what, it's always interesting. Those you uh, know about, like I think of Jack Buck, and we hear the great Stan Usual, who's both your dad and my dad's idol, but really there are always people in any organization that helped grow that organization from the inside that you may not know if you're just a casual fan. I think of guys like uh, George Kissel, you know, they always talk about the Cardinal way, and guys like you, Mike, you've uh, been recruiting and been out scouting and scouring the backwoods of uh, the United States trying to find great Cardinals, uh, young players, and you've been able to do that for one of the organizations, one of the most successful organizations in all of Major League Baseball. So tell us about how you got started uh, with the Cardinals organization back when you were a left-handed pitcher, and then we'll talk about your career as a scout. Um, Dr. Dan, I, uh, I signed out of high school with the Kansas City Athletics, uh, 1958, and, uh, I was in the, um, 
A's organization and then the uh, Giants and the Twins and uh, the Cardinals, and wow. it was all in the minor leagues. But, you know, uh, you, mem- you just mentioned uh, George Kissel, yeah. and I want to tell you a little story about myself and George. Uh, I thought that probably when I was finished playing, which I would maybe want to coach. And being a left-hand pitcher, there was so much about the game that I didn't know. And so in spring training, whenever we weren't doing anything in the minor league spring training camp, I would try and hunt down George and see who he was working with, uh, infielders, being left-handed. It, I would watch him and see how he instructed on, on, on moves, double plays, all kinds of things about it. And so then uh, one day, uh, one morning, they called me into uh, the office there, and they said, do you want to play or do you want to coach? So I kind of had to back off of George a little bit. <laughs> but but uh, 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 to listen to George was like, um, I mean, it was like graduate school. Yeah, yeah. It seems like every Cardinal baseball player that came through the Cardinals organization always gives a lot of credit to George Kissel and, and learning the Cardinal way. We kind of explain what the Cardinal way means to those of us who have uh, you know, been long-term Cardinal fans or maybe those who don't know about the Cardinals organization and the inner workings of the Cardinal way. Kind of explain that, what that means. Well, what it means is that uh, it wasn't necessarily that we had to do everything the same, uh, but what it was was that the Cardinals taught us how to – execute that particular play or that particular moment, whatever it was, and uh, uh, to be able to repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. Yes. So it was, yeah, uh, what it was was they just wanted us to make sure that they emphasized fundamentals. And, and the fundamentals they had were what they felt like was the best way to make that play. Right. And, and and everybody did it. Ferris, you have a question for Mike Roberts? Yeah, Mike, it's Mark, interesting. Yeah. You know, Dr. Dr. Dan is, is a huge Cardinal fan. Uh, I'm a big Royals fan. Uh, I grew up in Kansas City. He grew up in Effingham, Illinois. And we met in 1986, right after the <laughs> 1985 World Series. Isn't it amazing we're still friends after meeting just uh, a <laughs> few months after 85? They stole us from us, Mike. They stole that one from us, didn't they? Stop yes, crying they about it. <laughs> I'm right about well, I grew up in the, in the Kansas City area in a little farming community southeast there, and then I lived most of my adult life uh, in Kansas City. So I'm very familiar with the Royals. Also, I'm very familiar with that play, and it keeps being played and played and played again. And, uh, you know, that's the way it happens, though. That's what makes baseball such a, a game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, is, is that so much fun is that you don't know what the next play is going to be. Right. Fierce? You know, you know, Mike, even as a Royals fan, uh, you can't help but respect the way the Cardinals do things, that Cardinal way you talk about. My dad, growing up in Kansas City, he only had one baseball card his whole life that he carried with him in his wallet. It was Stan Musial. He just respected Stan Musial. And he's kind of the epitome of what we think about as a Cardinal. But, boy, you could probably name 30, 40, 50 guys that epitomize that Cardinal way of doing it the right way and playing the game the right way and also living life the right way. Well, we have one right now in Yadi Molina. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I love Yadier Molina. Hey, you tell us a story, Mike, where you uh, got to actually pitch to the great stand, the man usual. <laughs> well, you know, I think I told you that story, or whoever it is, to, to emphasize a little bit about the difference in today's culture. Um, uh, 
I was in spring training, and the Cardinals were playing a game against our AAA club and uh, before they went north. And um, Stan did not play in that ball game. And so I heard my name called to um, report to field four, uh, you know, on the backfields. And so I thought, well, they're not going to release me at field four, so it was okay to go up there. And uh, when I got there, I saw who it was. And um, it was Stan and two other left-handed hitters who wanted to extra hitting off of left-handed pitching and particularly a curveball. And, and I had a pretty good curveball. And, but when I saw who it was, I thought, Oh my gosh, you know, Stan Musial was like, <laughs> when I was growing up, was like God. And I thought, what if I hit God? <laughs> <laughs> and I was capable. So, yeah. uh, I bounced the first two balls to him and, you know, uh, maybe unlike today's player who would, wouldn't have had time for that and would have maybe said, hey, get this guy out of here. You know, Stan said, we're okay, Lefty. And he didn't say, you're okay. He said, we're okay. And he oh, said, we're man. okay, Lefty. And as soon as he did that, then then everything was good. Oh, that's awesome. But, uh, <laughs> what a great story. I love that, man. We're okay. I'll have to remember that, man. I want to tell that. My dad's favorite player was uh, Stan the Man Musial, so I, you know, that's, that'll be one that we'll uh, definitely keep. Speaking of another great Cardinal that we just lost, uh, tell us what the uh, organization lost when they lost the great Red Shandings who just passed away a week or so ago. Well, uh, there was another icon of the organization, and, and I have to tell you that Red, Red was one of the finest gentlemen I ever met. I mean, he had time for any of us. And he was interested in what we what we did, you know. He was interested in 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 the scouting side of it and how we were doing it and who we were interested in and how we were going to get maybe some of the needs that we had. Uh, but he was he was such a gentleman, and 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 he was he would such a good storyteller too. I mean, I could have I could sit and listen to to Red tell stories forever. You know, he just. He just had a way of engaging you. You know, I've heard uh, the great Whitey Herzog tell some stories and spin some yards, yarns in the past. Who was a better storyteller, Whitey Herzog or Red Shandingst? Well, I've known Whitey since I was uh, probably <laughs> seven, eight years old. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and uh, uh, I, I, I think Whitey, Whitey and told a story a little bit different. But he was a great storyteller, <laughs> and Red told a story a little bit different, and he was a great storyteller, too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, your yeah. list of uh, those you've scouted being the uh, head cross-checker for the St. Louis Cardinals, they got names, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the names to list, I'll leave a lot of them out, but great ones like Tom Pagnazio, Gold Glove Catcher. But one of the ones mm-hmm. uh, that I read that uh, you, had, you were instrumental in one of the greatest Cardinal players ever uh, coming to the St. Louis Cardinals is uh, Albert Pujols. Tell, tell us the story of how did Albert Pujols become a St. Louis Cardinal and have the greatest 10 years maybe of any organization ever? Well, you know, Albert was, um, uh, if you're familiar from, with Kansas City, maybe you're familiar with Maplewood yeah, Junior College. you bet. And uh, Albert uh, came over here uh, when he was a junior in high school, and he went to Fort Osage High School. And... Uh, um, he finished his high school year and didn't really have a place to play. He did. They were going to give him one more year of eligibility in high school, and he didn't want that. He wanted to get out where he was going to be eligible. He was not drafted out of high school. Uh, so he went to Maplewood, and, uh, and my brother-in-law was the area scout there. And so uh, he 
Albert kind of fooled him. He just really didn't know what to do with him. And so I went with him to see Albert, and then I went back to see him again. And and uh, Albert was playing shortstop. We were pretty sure that that was not going to be his position. I thought maybe left field <laughs> or third base. And 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 uh, so, uh, but Albert always hit, and. Uh, he got through the first few rounds, and I kept telling him, what about, what about Pujols, you know? And uh, uh, we got to a place where they said we need a third baseman middle infielder at one of our lower A clubs. And I got up out of my seat and almost got up on the table, and I said, well, there he is right there, Albert. And they said, well, can we sign him? And I said, "Not. we don't draft him. And so we did. We drafted him in the 13th round, and we signed him, and the rest is history. Uh, and when I saw him in the, the instructional league that same year after his first year in baseball, I mean, I was not looking at the same player. Wow. Uh, yeah. He, 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 his, his advancement came so quick, and his ability to hit uh, – uh, I don't know why everybody didn't recognize it before, but we didn't recognize it like Albert is today and like Albert's career is going to be. And, 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 you know, I mean, he's, um, it, I just glad we had him for 10 years. Yeah, you know, his uh, career, not only did he get get lucky with having you push him to the St. Louis Cardinals, you know, to the St. Louis Cardinals, it's amazing how many people, uh, you know, passed him over. But then also he got called up to the big leagues, I believe, because of an injury to Bobby Bonilla, who was playing third base for the Cardinals at the time. He gets he, injured, and then, man, Albert Pujols comes up, and he never looks back. Amazing. No, he never looked back. No, yeah. he, he's never looked back. And, you know, and that's exactly how he got there was an injury. And he had done well in spring training, and then the injury was there. It happened. And, and so he broke camp with him and, and never yeah. has never looked back. 600 home runs later, so never looked back. So I love, <laughs> I love an axiom you, know, you put in there. I was reading uh, one of your bios, and it talked about your quote was, if there is a hitter, you better, you better get him. And that's, uh, is that kind of how when you, look at, when you look at players, are you looking for specific uh, metrics? Are you looking at their – Hustle, are you looking at, man, if this guy can hit, we'll figure out how to get him on the field. What, what, what is, it the, is it the overall gestalt, or what do you look for as a scout when you're looking at a player? Well, uh, uh, all of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we look at strength. We look at size. We look at speed. Uh, and, 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 and size is not necessarily the barometer I'm talking about. Size, I'm talking about more strength than anything yeah. else. I think the one common denominator in baseball and all players uh, is strength. And so um, uh, we look at speed. We look at their ability to move. We look at how they move. We look at their ability to stand in at the plate. Uh, do they show any fear? Is it, uh, you know, do they have good hands? Do they have a strike zone that they recognize? Uh, it's I guess it's everything all encompassed in, you know, um, just I think maybe sometimes that uh, it's the eye that tells you first before it's anything else. Right. Yeah. Fair show. Question from Mike Roberts, head uh, Cardinal Scout. 
Yeah, Mike, I mean, there's, there's so much data out there now, especially with college players. You can look at numbers, things like that. Do you let that inform your decisions? I mean, where does that play into the whole, hey, I want to see the kid with my own eyes? Well, I, uh, uh, that's my part. And then uh, the other part is mixed in with it, and pretty much that's the final evaluation of the player now. Uh, you know, uh, and, and uh, some people had a hard time accepting it and some people you know i think that uh, that it we've always if a hitter hits why shouldn't he continue to hit you know and yeah. and that's kind of the way i've looked at it that hitters hit you know uh if a guy has <laughs> command of his fastball or he might have a little trouble with it once in a while but he should be able to command it um yeah uh, so um i think the the eye tells you, and the numbers back it up. Yeah. Well, we're talking to Mike Roberts, head uh, scout for the St. Louis Cardinals, head cross-checker for the St. Louis Cardinals. And, Mike, you're a colon cancer survivor, and I want to say congratulations on that. Uh, there was a story where your wife talked about you receiving chemotherapy and then the next day out on the road scouting again. I guess the uh, Cardinal <laughs> way has been uh, given you, too, because, uh, man, you're one of those guys who doesn't want to quit. Well, I think that that helped me really get through all of that. Uh, yeah, I I was a colon rectal uh, survivor cancer, and um, I had a big surgery and um, went through chemo, went through radiation, and um, I had good doctors and a lot of support from the Cardinals, and uh, uh, you know they just said go get healthy, you know, and do whatever it is. And I think being able to work during that part of that time absolutely helped me, uh, uh, you know, handle. All of it. I, I I did really good with both both radiation and 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 chemo, um, and I think it was because I still was busy. Well, we're so glad that you're a St. Louis Cardinals uh, cross checker and uh, scout, man. I'm so glad that you uh, did well from your colorectal surgery. Hey, uh, where do you keep those 1982 and 2011 uh, World Series rings? Do you keep them on your fingers, or where do you keep them at? <laughs> no, I, you know what? I've got a whole bunch of replicas. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see some of the replicas. Uh, but no, I have them. I have them uh, uh, stored. That's awesome. So uh, so glad that yeah. you got those rings, and hopefully you get several more before it's all said and done. Mike Roberts, well, thanks I for keep, being on. Docs I keep and Jobs. saying I've got some more fingers. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. We do. We'd love to see them all filled up. Us St. Louis Cardinals well, right. fans would. Hey, thanks for being on the show. We'll have to have you on again real soon when the Cardinals win their next World Series. Thank you, Mike. Okay, thank you, guys. Hey, we'll be right back with more Docs and Jocks after the short commercial break. Ouch, my knee is killing me. You know you need an MRI. That's what your doctor said. I know, I know, but it's going to cost three, $4,000? Well, it could, but did you tell him that you wanted to go to MDI? MDI? Medical Diagnostic Imaging of Abilene. MDI will save us thousands of dollars. Let me show you. Here, look at the MDI website. Wow, and that's with or without insurance? If you need a CAT scan or MRI, you have a choice. Before you go anywhere else, call MDI for a free price quote. Call 325-695-4624 or go online to mdiofabilene.com. Now that we've saved all that money and my knee is fixed, I think I need a new set of clubs. <laughs> no, we're getting new carpet in the living room. That's MDI of Abilene. Relax. You have a choice. Call 325-695-4624 and make sure you tell them you heard about it on Docs and Jocks. 
no one burns calories like Firehouse Subs. Introducing our hearty and flavorful under 500 calorie menu. Steaming hot sriracha beef, hook and ladder light, turkey cranberry, and more. Six new subs, four new salads, overflowing with flavor under 500 calories. And starting at only $5.49. Under 500 calories never tasted so hearty and flavorful. Firehouse Subs. One bite, one taste, you're hooked. When it comes to electric prices, do what the Cowboys do and trust ProStar Energy Services to perform for your business. Every company uses electricity. That part's simple, but getting a good deal on electricity isn't. That's why the Cowboys rely on ProStar's team to secure the lowest electricity price available. Let us draft a strategy to help your business beat the competition with bottom line savings on your electric bill and custom solutions that keep your team focused on moving the ball. To score big for your business, call ProStar today at 817-892-4250. You're listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Sylvan Learning Center, Dr. Melton Chiropractic, and Texas Sports Hall of Fame. Touchdown. Now, back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician with Texas Sport and Spine. Hey, if you ever want to come see me here in Abilene, Texas, where our show is... Uh, Broadcast out of, you can come see me at Texas Sport and Spine. Uh, Dr. Dan Munton, man, great to have you be part of our show. Not only uh, part of our listening ship, but also love to see you as a patient if you uh, need my services. We also uh, come out of the Forge Abilene Training Facility. If you want to try to find out if it might be the place for you to start getting back into shape and exercising and get a core strengthening program going on, you can do it multiple different ways. We have personal trainers. We have strength and conditioning coaches. We have adult boot camps. We have strength class. We have every age group, age 7 to 70. It's a personal a coach at every visit in a small group setting of your peers. Go to theforgeabilene.com. We'd love to have you part of our facility that way as well. I'm joined each week by my co-host, Ferris Potter, the longtime sports broadcaster for Grand Canyon University. Uh, Ferris, tell us a little what's going on out in Phoenix right now. You got anything going on in the uh, as college has been let out? Have you heard any uh, new uh, gossip about what's going on at the sports programs at Grand Canyon? Well, uh, b- basketball dropped their schedule, which is a pretty nice schedule, um, playing at the University of Texas in December. Wow, so that'll be a awesome. fun trip. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, playing some nice teams. And then, of course, baseball, you know, the big news, we got four guys drafted. I believe yeah. they all four signed. Um, yeah. And Jake Wong got, got a nice little signing bonus up there with the Giants. Uh, but not, you know, it kind of quiets down a bit in baseball. All, you know, what about 18 kids are out playing summer ball, trying to keep up with that. And then, um, for the most part, though, it, it quiets down over the summer. I mean, like people are doing off-season training and that type of stuff. But, um, yeah, it's pretty quiet for GCU uh, right now. I mean, no football coming up, so the fall sports, you know, um, don't get as big of attention as when you have a football team. Right. But everybody's, everybody's looking at basketball, man. It'll be Coach Marley's sixth year, and they're like, hey, we want to go to the tournament and baseball as well, softball. I mean, everybody's just gearing to see what they can do to get to the next level and, and get to postseason. Absolutely. Hey, you man, if you missed any of our show or any of our interviews today, man, we had one with a 13-year Major League Baseball player, uh, Tom Foley. Great interview there. And we also talked soccer, World Cup soccer, with our soccer coach, Sergio Chacon. So, man, if you missed that interview, you want to go back and listen to it, you can do so by going to docsandjocks.com, or you can listen to our iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Subscribe to that. I want to say thank you for all your great listenership on uh on our iTunes podcast, man. It's been growing like crazy, man. We could not do this show without your great support. Really appreciate that. And then, Ferris, I thought one of my favorite interviews of all time, uh, St. Louis Cardinals head scout and cross-checker Mike Roberts, who's been with the St. Louis Cardinals organization since the 1960s, both as a pitcher himself and then as a uh, Cardinal scout for the last uh, over 30 years. I thought that was a really fun interview we just had with Mike Roberts. 
I'm surprised you like that interview because you yeah, never mentioned that you care anything about the St. Louis Cardinals. Hey, this is a guy who is from small town suburb of Kansas City, like you, you from Kearney, Missouri, yeah. and he's also a St. Louis Cardinals fan. So, see, really, and your dad carried around a Stan Musial baseball card in his wallet. Yeah. You were really, you were really, truly destined to be a St. Louis Cardinals fan. I'm not sure what happened to you. Well, you know, I mean, it was just the cards back then because the Kansas City Athletics came in. I can't remember when, and then they left, and the Royals came in as an expansion team after the Athletics moved to Oakland. So, you know, my dad grew up, and Mike grew up. There wasn't really anything to root for. You had to look somewhere. Like, there, there wasn't a pro team in Epping, Illinois, right? So you'd have yeah. to pick the cards of the Cubs, probably, because that's <laughs> all you could get on the radio. Yeah. And I, I know if you're young, you're like going, why didn't you just get it on YouTube, or why didn't you go on Facebook? Well, we didn't have the Internet, so it was just the radio, the transistor. And they didn't show but a game of the week. You know, you didn't have baseball seven days a week. I love the so story. So you kind of became a fan of, of that team. Tell them about your fifth grade uh, project where you taught your class how to read a box score. Tell I love that story. <laughs> yeah, we had to do a, what's it called, an ex- explanatory speech or whatever. Yeah. We had to describe something. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, back in the day, you had to wait until the next day. If you didn't get to watch the game or listen, it was too late. I had to go to bed. You'd get up in the morning, you'd get the paper, and you'd read the box score in the paper. And, you know, it always has all the – it's a little bit difficult to read. I mean, the easy stuff, hits, runs, errors, all that stuff. But there's other things in there. So I basically took a Kansas City Royals box score, and I copied it onto a huge poster board, and I went through and explained what everything meant. L-O-B, <laughs> left on base, all that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, singles, doubles, SB, stolen base, SA, sacrifice, hit, all that stuff. And that was my speech. If you're thinking I think right I got now, an A on that one, too. Yeah, if you're thinking of that right now, I think, man, that's really nerdy. I, th- I think it's the coolest thing ever. It's probably why uh, Ferris and I are best friends. So, see, we were desperate. <laughs> Small town, uh, Kansas City. Your dad carried a St. Louis Cardinals uh, stand, usual baseball card in his back pocket. That's, my that's dad told honestly me St. Louis. Why to, that's why, to this day, if I'm not there live, that's the best, the best way to watch the game is live. Right. I would rather listen on the radio than watch on TV. I do, too. Many, many times. Yeah, I grew up with that because I paint the picture as the sports broadcaster is painting the picture with his words. I paint, I fill in the gaps with my my mind, and so I grew up with yeah. guys like Jack Buck. You grew up with your your Kansas City Royals guys doing that, and uh, yeah, no, I, I very much like to listen to radio. I really appreciate it when you do the uh, Grand Canyon University games by radio, and I get to listen to those games. I think now you're only doing television, but you used to do radio. Yeah, I do the base basketball on the radio and the, the baseball just doing the, the, the webcast games. I miss doing the radio, you know, being able to have that three-hour conversation with, uh, you know, with, with the fans. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Speaking of a lot of fun, man, this is the time of the year. We talked about it last week when we had on uh... – well, man, we've had on Matt Deuce, and we've had on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, uh, college baseball players and broadcasters talking about the College World Series, and it's finally upon us. Man, our Texas Tech Red Raiders last night got knocked out. We're, we, our listening area here is not far from Lubbock, Texas, so we're big Red Raider fans. I mean, the Florida Gators went down and took them down 9-6. to six. The uh, Red Raiders just ran out of enough uh, firepower to beat a 9-6 to six game. And so now the Florida Gators, who are last year's uh, champions, they advanced to the semifinals to play another powerhouse baseball team, uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks. And then the other side of the bracket, you've got Mississippi State, who looks really, really good, taking on a very yeah. good Oregon State team. I mean, and honestly, I don't see really any difference in these four teams. They're all loaded as pitching staff. I think the Florida Gators have their top two picks or top two pitchers were two of the top two picks by the Kansas City Royals this year. I mean, you've got yeah. guys all over every one of these teams that have been drafted. These are programs that have been good for a long, long time. I think they've all won uh, championships at some point in time. So, man, who are you? Uh, Florida Gators, Arkansas, who are you picking, and why are you giving them the edge? 
You know, I, I don't know a lot about those two teams, um, from, but from what I've seen here, I would think Arkansas just because I just it's so hard to beat a team twice yeah. back to back, and Florida's going to have to win. You know, play play what uh, three games in a row, or no, it's uh, Oregon, Mississippi State uh, going to have to play that 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 uh, you know those games in a row and win two in a row, and I, I just. I would just think that Florida's going to have a tough field because they played yesterday, they played today, yep. and then they got to play tomorrow. You know, yeah. we're talking about you know Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So, I would say probably Arkansas makes it through. I I picked Oregon State from uh, the get go because I just think they're loaded. I think they're the best team. They had a little hiccup in the first game, but since then, their their final two innings of the last two games, they scored like a combination of like twenty runs in the last two innings. I think yeah. of the last two games. But Mississippi State, they almost seem to be like a team of destiny. You know, their, their, their head coach, who was a great coach, he recruited well. Everybody's high on this guy. He's one of the great, great young coaches. Got in a little trouble with some issues with, the, with some students, and it was enough that they just let him go three, what, three games in. Yeah. They bring in a guy who's not going to become the head coach, an older guy, and now they're, they're down to their final out in the regional, and the guy hits the walk-off. Yeah. I mean, they almost feel like a team of destiny, man. They, they do. almost do. Hey, I like the Oregon State catcher. He's a switch-hitting catcher. But the cool part about him, uh, his name is Adley Rushman. He is also Oregon State's place kicker on their football team. How about that being a stud catcher who's going to be uh, highly, highly sought after in the draft here in a couple of years? I think he's a, I think he's a sophomore. But, uh, man, to be playing football and baseball at the same time at a big school like Oregon State, pretty cool. I think he just gave up football. But, man, that's, that's, a, that's a talented kid. You could probably do both as a place kicker, right? Yeah. You're not not really that fearful of an injury, probably, yeah. and you don't, you know, the place kickers they, they stand around a lot during during practice. They, yeah. don't, they don't do a lot of that stuff, but um, yeah, that- I mean, there's some, there's some amazing talent on these four teams. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm rooting for Oregon State specifically because I'm I'm tired of everybody talking about how great the SEC is. So I was rooting for Tech because uh, our good boy, I'm rooting for Brandon Hawk, but also because I'm just. I really don't want an SEC team to win. I'm tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they seem like every year they're loaded up for sure. No, no doubt about it. Hey, speaking of, uh, we just finished the uh, Major League Baseball draft. The NBA draft just had their draft last night. and It was a somewhat, oh. somewhat predictable, but the part that I thought I found uh, tiresome after a while, I started watching it, and then I realized that every pick, the commentators were talking about what that pick would mean with regards to ramifications of whether or not LeBron James would go to that team. I mean, if you're, I guess you have to, but can't we just pick the best base, the best basketball players, the best athletes based on who they are, who you think would help your team, as opposed to if we draft this guy from overseas and we don't sign him, that leaves us enough cap room to get LeBron James. I mean, that's that's just uh, at some point in time, I found it, I found it uh, over irritating after a while. I'm just to be honest with you. I finally flipped it off. I'm like, I don't know. This isn't a lottery to try and pick LeBron James. Just pick the the best basketball player out there and. And then if LeBron James wants to play for a great man, I guess I know it doesn't work that way, but you know, I, I I think you're right on. I just think it's because it was a really boring draft, and yeah. and the NBA right now is a really boring product. I mean, I, I look at we talked about it a little bit with with Tom. I don't think baseball's in trouble at all. It's a regional sport. The regional numbers are up. Yeah, national numbers might be down, but it's a regional sport. Even when you get to the World Series, fewer people care about the Astros and the Dodgers on the East Coast. They just do, but. During the regional and the regional contracts in the playoffs, when the East Coast team is in, they're really into it. So I, th- I think baseball's fine. I think hockey is what it is. I think the Golden Knights imbibed a little bit of energy into that and different fan bases. I think football is just a beast, you know, and you only play 16 games. So it's going to be, I mean, the NBA is just boring right now. I mean, you know, who's going to win every year. 
all these guys are being doing knucklehead things. And I mean, are there really are there really any guys in that draft? They're all great athletes, but you look at any of them and go, "Oh, that's the next Michael Jordan." Or that's an, a ne- I mean, no. out in Phoenix, look, they're trying to compare Aiton to Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> Yeah. Like, stop. You know? Yeah. The Just only one that's more intriguing is Mo Bamba, and that's only because he has a seven foot nine wingspan. Yeah, he's a that freak. is freaky, freak man. Guy. Seven foot nine. I know the guy's tall, but his wingspan, seven nine. Whoa. That's my point. He should be the goalie for USA soccer. Yes. We would, he would, nothing would get by him. Oh, we forgot to ask Sergio Chacon when we had him on. We should have said, what would it be like to have Mo Bamba as your goalie, who's uh, nearly seven foot tall, but has a seven foot nine wingspan? That is, and he's athletic. He's very athletic. Played for University of Texas this last year, so that would have been fun to see for sure. But yeah, there, I, I I totally yeah, agree. There's with nothing you. to talk about in the draft except for where some of these free agents are going to go. Because the draft wise, it's like okay, they're they're all nice players. They're all great players. But I mean, do you Look, really think Marvin Bagley is going to step on? Or do you think Aiden's going to step on with Booker and they're going to make this on the playoff team next year? I mean, eh, I don't know if he's that good. Yeah, there was literally a commentator who was talking about during the 76ers draft whether or not they should take an overseas player because they take an overseas player, they don't have to sign him. If they don't sign him, it doesn't count against your cap. And if it doesn't count against your cap, that leaves enough money to sign LeBron. So with your number one pick, you're just burning your number one pick in hopes of getting LeBron James. By the way, I don't think LeBron James is going to the 76ers. I could be wrong, but uh, then again, hell could freeze over. Hey, uh, the, the next best pitcher to uh, get hit by the injury bug, A.J. Ramos. And if you've ever missed our interview with uh, A.J., former uh, Texas Tech Red Raider, who uh, was the Marlins uh, closer, he is now the setup man for the uh, New York Mets. And uh, he is out with a labral tear in the shoulder. And so a labrum is a piece of cartilage that encircles the cup called your glenoid that your shoulder uh, sits in. And so your shoulder's like a great big golf ball sitting in a little bitty cup. To make that cup deeper, you have a piece of cartilage that circles the rim of that cup, and it helps uh, keep the keep the ball from rocking out of the uh, cup. And so when you tear that labrum, every time you engage the ball up against the cup and you move a certain way, it's going to pinch the tear and it gives you discomfort. It's kind of like the equivalent of having a meniscus tear in your knee, the cartilage pad between the two bones in your knee. So he's going to be out uh, probably all this season as he not only uh, tries to recover from the surgery, but then has to do the rehabilitation to get back to throwing again. I don't know what it is with the Mets and their pitching staff, but they have been one injury bit club for the last like two to three years, probably three years total, where they just seem like the every it's, it's who's the next shoe to drop in regards to who's the next pitcher that's going to get injured. But do you feel like that uh, with uh, the New York Mets fans? Yeah, I mean they—they, they, you know, I remember what was it in 2014 when Har- they Harvey, I think, 15, when the Royals beat him. You know, they they were talking about, oh, these guys are going to beat it every year. Yeah. They had no. they had Harvey, they had Thor, they Cindergard. had uh, yeah. had I mean, they had, they had all these guys. They had Mots. They had these, these great guys. And now it's like they're dropping like flies. And you don't even think of them as a great staff anymore. Yeah. If they were all put together and they were all back, Harvey's gone. And he hasn't been doing well. He's pitching for who now? The Phillies or somebody? Who's Harvey with? I don't even know. That's, uh, that's how far he's fallen he, off my radar that I, I don't even follow who he's with now. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just crazy how far. Yeah, you and I have said this numerous times. Just because you make the World Series or you make the Super Bowl or you make the NBA championship does not mean that you will be there the next year. I guess unless you're LeBron James. But you will not be yeah, there the next year. It's not guaranteed because so many things have to happen, right? And one of the big ones, one of the hugest ones, is whether or not you can avoid the injury injury list. 
and it just has not happened for the New York Mets, and they have not been back. The same story with uh, Strasburg back when he was coming back, and they were talking about limiting his number of innings to pitch because they thought the uh, Nationals were going to be good for a long time. Well, guess what? They haven't been back since either, so you never, never know. But, yeah, it's the New York Mets, and they've had numerous injuries. I want to give you uh, an update on Jim Kelly. Remember we talked about his oral cancer coming back, the uh, famous Hall of Fame uh, Buffalo Bills quarterback. He uh, has had a return of his oral cancer. He had successful surgery where they removed another section of the uh, of the jaw, and this time they removed his teeth. He got teeth implants, and he uh, sent out a tweet saying he was uh, doing well after surgery, successful surgery. So we wish all the best for the Kelly family and uh, uh, Jim Kelly's uh, longevity. Hey, I want to say thank you to all our great listeners on Docs and Jocks. Man, we could not do our show here without you. Man, we enjoy always having you as our guest. And remember, you can follow us uh, not only by listening to us each week here on uh, Docs and Jocks, but you can follow us on docsandjocks.com. Also, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're there on all of them. Man, we'd love to be having part of our show that way as well. For myself, Dr. Dan, as well as my co-host, Ferris Potter, we want to say thank you to our great guests this week, Tom Foley, Sergio Chacon, as well as uh, Mike Roberts. Hey, remember... The best exercise is the one that you will do. Find out where you want to exercise. If the Forge Abilene is a place for you, we'd love to have you part of that. Go to theforgeabilene.com. From all of us here on Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show, we'll see you next week. So long. Ouch. My knee is killing me. You know you need an MRI. That's what your doctor said. I know, I know, but it's going to cost three, $4,000? Well, it could, but did you tell him that you wanted to go to MDI? MDI? Medical Diagnostic Imaging of Abilene. MDI will save us thousands of dollars. Let me show you. Here, look at the MDI website. Wow, and that's with or without insurance? If you need a CAT scan or MRI, you have a choice. Before you go anywhere else, call MDI for a free price quote. Call 325-695-4624 or go online to mdiofabilene.com. Now that we've saved all that money and my knee is fixed, I think I need a new set of clubs. (laughs) No, we're getting new carpet in the living room. That's MDI of Abilene. Relax. You have a choice. Call 325-695-4624 and make sure you tell them you heard about it on Docs and Jocks. No one burns calories like Firehouse Subs. Introducing our hearty and flavorful under 500 calorie menu. Steaming hot sriracha beef, hook and ladder light, turkey cranberry, and more. Six new subs, four new salads, overflowing with flavor under 500 calories. And starting at only $5.49. Under 500 calories never tasted so hearty and flavorful. Firehouse Subs. One bite, one taste, you're hooked. When it comes to electric prices, do what the Cowboys do and trust ProStar Energy Services to perform for your business. Every company uses electricity. That part's simple, but getting a good deal on electricity isn't. That's why the Cowboys rely on ProStar's team to secure the lowest electricity price available. Let us draft a strategy to help your business beat the competition with bottom line savings on your electric bill and custom solutions that keep your team focused on moving the ball. To score big for your business, call ProStar today at 817-892-4250. 